does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. And a pleasant good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Fan Midday Show here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Carb Day from Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Proud to be here on site if we go to Plaza. With Brendan King, I am Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison behind the ones and twos. We're going to have you covered with a loaded show throughout the day today. Of course, we'll have plenty of speed reports as well. But I want to start off the show and play off a little bit with that last track report that we just aired here on 93.5175 The Fan, and that talks about the importance of Carb Day, and that is really what this last practice session is all about for the 33 drivers entered in the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing, and that is trying to fine-tune everything possible for these cars before Sunday's race, and earlier in the initial practice window that's still ongoing, as you can hear in front of us here at the Speedway, a brief panel was loose on the side of defending champion Marcus Erickson's car. He immediately noticed it, went and made a pit stop, and they were able to adjust that and get things squared away and ready to go for him to go back out there and continue with his practice time. Again, that's going to continue from now until 1 o'clock. So over the next hour, we'll continue to update you as well on speeds, on reports as any accidents, anything that's fine-tuned and worked out by these respective teams will be covered throughout the afternoon. But with Brendan King and Eddie Garrison back at the studio, there's an important question that I need to have answered immediately. Jimmy. And that is, am I the rookie of the group? And the reason I ask that is because our fine Nick Cotton Gem, social media director of all of our stations here at Radio 1, and specifically here at The Fan, tweeted out our predictions for the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing earlier today. And I went shock. I took Alex Pillow. And the main reason I did it is because every interview that he's given throughout this process, you could say this with every driver, but for me with Alex, I love everything that I'm hearing from him. The car is plenty fast enough as he's the pole sitter for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. But this is the first public pick that I've made outside of Jay Cook plays of the day. <laughs> and I feel like I'm on an island, BK. So I, I need to know. Did I make a mistake? Did I fall for fool's gold? No. And he chuckled at me yesterday when I told him that I was going to take Pelot to take this thing on Sunday. No, I don't think that makes you a rookie. I think that's a well-versed pick, Jimmy Cook. But picking chalk in the Indianapolis 500 is a little different than picking chalk in the NCAA tournament, per se. Because in the NCAA tournament, I actually want to say it's worse picking chalk in the NCAA tournament. I hate picking chalk. So do I. When I see a bracket... Jimmy, of a Final Four featuring all number one seeds. It makes me want to pull my hair out. I'm right there with you. I, I, I don't think the same when it comes to the Indianapolis 500 and picking the betting favorite. Because at the end of the day, Pelot is still a plus 400 better to go right. win this race. And statistically, he's the fastest pull winner ever. So that's the thing. Because here at the Indianapolis 500, we get a preview a legitimate preview of what's to come in the race. In the NCAA tournament, you get a conference tournament, which means absolutely nothing in comparison to how they're going to perform in the NCAA tournament. So I'm not going to go full mean mode. I'm not going to join Eddie here. I think that is a smart pick, Jimmy Cook. But I am concerned in my own right because I selected Alexander Rossi, and Nick did not tell me I was one of three people to select Alexander Rossi. So now I'm freaking out. 
is that I'm also want? on Alexander Rossi. That's the good news I for you. I feel horrible about that. I, that <laughs> makes, me, that's makes me feel even worse, to be honest with you. The no la- offense to Addy. I love you. The last time we were on the same driver was Elio Castroneves. Look how that turned out. Because I told you to pick him. No, 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 I was, no, 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 yeah, no, Oh, yeah, no, I did. No, no. I, I, no. I, I tell you what, I won $900 on Elio winning. The, I am very happy to admit I won $900 on Elio winning in 2021. I got in a uh, disagreement with Eddie yesterday. I'm going to defer to him and say that you both made that selection <laughs> together in unison. I believe he just tried to give you a, 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 an olive branch there and you threw it back I, at his I'm face. not going to take that. No, but. <laughs> I feel horrible about it, but I will say I made a couple bets before qualifying weekend. I'm proud to say I got Santino Ferrucci Ooh. at plus 7,500. Man. Uh, that is uh, what I'm running this month with right now. And then uh, I took Takuma Sato before qualifying at plus 1,800, and right now he is your fastest car uh, on carb day here at the 500 at 227.855. So uh, I do have some options, but I guess in my official pick, I went with Alexander Rossi. I'm not going to change that, but I will say it makes me feel a little heebie-jeebie that I had to agree with Eddie Garrison and Kevin Bowen on that. Well, we love to throw out bets whenever we can, and fear not, we're going to throw out plenty today, though our... Official, I won't say official 500 picks, but I have more than one bet. Then what are they? It's Friday. We're not going to be The reason I say it that way is because our official picks have already been posted on That's the true. fan, at 107.5 The Fan. However, with a race like this, much like when you're trying to bet a major, you can get yeah. such great yeah, odds yeah. everywhere that I think you would be foolish, assuming you're having just small bets here and there, to not sprinkle a couple. So I've done that. I have a couple of variety bets that I've done. Eddie Garrison is going to give out a handful of his bets that he has as well towards the end of the show. Brendan will join us on that and share what other bets he's been able to place. I will say, though, I was able to get a wager in for Alex Pelot last night. Plus 600 is the juice Oh, there. wow. So again, okay. a, yeah. little, a little bit nicer. I but think it I differs kind of depending I, on where you go. Sure. But. You, you can shop around. That was from DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, not a sponsor. We have no sponsors on the Sportsbook end here on the Fan Midday Show. But Eddie will give that to us as well. Doug Kazarian is going to join us at 2.30 of ESPN and ESPN's The Daily Wager. He's going to take us through his insights on the Indy 500. We'll also probably dive in a little bit to the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals as well, as that has suddenly become a series. We joked about it a couple days ago, the old four days in October mentality, the Boston Celtics don't let them get one. Now they let them get two. Is that thing going seven? I will say this much before we dive into more 500 coverage, BK. The Celtics have done what they wanted them to do to this point, which is give me more drama on Saturday night. It adds another thing to this weekend in terms of my sports calendar, in terms of going out with friends. While I'd rather it be racers and pacers, of course, everybody would. But the fact that we now have at least a little bit of drama within the Eastern Conference Finals for a Saturday night continues to add to the festivities of one of the best sporting weekends, if not the best sporting weekend of the year. Oh, Saturday is going to be great, Jimmy, because, of course, you're going into 500 Sunday. But as you just said, you get some more heat in Celtics. And then now you're going to get game five between the Stars and the Knights in the NHL Western Conference Final. Uh, Jimmy, I will say it's been a minute since we've worked together. So uh, there's been a lot of stress in my life, not for a battery. Reason, but just because it is tough watching a baseball game when you are also trying to watch a hockey game when you're when you're in the when you're in the broadcast booth. Now, thankfully, I will say there is a television in pretty much every broadcast booth in the Midwest League, so I've ever caught every Florida Panthers game. Happy to say that sure. the Panthers are going to the Stanley Cup final. I cannot believe it. It's unbelievable. Our team is going. So yes, it's going to be a spectacular sports weekend. And game one of the final starts early next week. So can't wait. It's going to be a full slate. We're looking forward to bringing you reactions to all of that throughout the week next week and of course have a recap as well of the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Now we, we joke about it all the time in the world of sports of the old Allen Iverson age old adage of you know not a game. We, we talk about practice here BK. 
there is a certain level of understated importance of today. For me, and this is why I'm not one of the 33 drivers in the field, why I would never want that type the of The only reason you're not one of the 33. One of the, one of the many reasons for why I'm not one of them is I would be very cautious today, right? You want to obviously fine-tune and do whatever you can, but one false move, and all of a sudden you're knocked out of the 107th running, and, and, and it's, it's drama and sadness for the next couple of days. They caught early while you guys were on the air, and I know you talked about it as, as well with Scott Agnes a little bit earlier that they caught a little bit of the side panel of Marcus Erickson flopping around a little bit at those high speeds. He's going whatever, 220, 223 miles an hour. And they caught it right away, able to fix it, able to get that adjusted. That is really the large part of what today is. At a minimum, if you are trying to play it safe, your main goal in that regard is to do whatever you can to simulate race day as close as possible so that if there's any issues with it, like what Erickson had to deal with, if there's an issue with a front flapper or something with the front, whatever the case may be, you want to get everything in order as close as you can to race day conditions so that a situation like that, they mentioned this on the NBC's telecast as well, Erickson has something like that go wrong on race day, that probably sets you a lap behind the pace, that probably ends your contention in the 107th running. Yeah, and if anybody took the Erickson plus 1,200 to start. I mean, that's a breath of fresh air that it happens today sure. and not on Sunday. But, man, I, I I can't believe we were talking about this at the 10-12 show, but Chip Ganassi, I mean, it's the rich get richer, Jimmy. It's You have the defending champ. You have the two fastest pole runners in Indianapolis 500 history, one last year in Dixon, one this year in Pelot. And then you're able to swap out, it truly is a swap, Tony Kanaan for Takuma Sato. Good for you, Chip. Nice job, Chip. I, I don't know how he how he's done that. It, it's basically a trade for TK for Sato. I mean, you take one Indy 500 champ, you put in now a two-time winner, and Takuma's got a chance for number three. I think he's got the car to do it. I think every one of those Ganassi cars can win the race, Jimmy. I think every one of those McLaren cars can win the race, too. And then we haven't even talked about Penske yet because they were comfortable enough on qualifying weekend. Team Penske was New Garden and McLaughlin. They were fine, sacrificing their original qualifying effort to go later in the day. Now, it did have some strategy to it with weather and whatnot, but they felt good enough about their cars that, okay, we're not even going to post a time in the morning. We are going to risk something horrible happening to go out there in the afternoon for a better weather slot and if we we're going to take the risk of either one crashing two losing a piece of your car or three something just going haywire electrical so you don't take that chance and be it team penske they have everything to go do they have everything on their cars to go win this race but you know, for a, a team that's a little bit smaller, I don't think they take that opportunity. So we haven't even talked about those Penske cars yet. This depth of the field, Jimmy, I don't think it's anything like the past two races. And the other, the other thing we haven't mentioned as well, but you and I have talked to a little bit as well with Eddie in the lead up to both Carb Day and I'm sorry, continuing countdown of the 107th running is what happens with the opportunity at hand for Graham Rahal. Now, of course... <laughs> Our heart breaks as the racing community breaks for Stefan Wilson and not have the opportunity to go compete out there. But I was as locked in as you were, as Eddie was, to calls over the weekend and a real sense of just high-level, heartbreaking emotion for Graham Rahal getting bumped the same way his dad did 30 years prior. And then all of a sudden, you in this business, in any business, BK, you and I both know it well, when an opportunity arrives, you seize it. You go take advantage of it. Graham Rahal has done that. Uh, one of his most recent posted speeds, 222.501 miles an hour in this final session before the 107th running. That, to me, outside of 
a guy close to our heart in Ed Carpenter, close to everybody's heart, where we'd like to see him finally win the greatest spectacle in racing. That and the Graham Rahal storyline are two of the, the biggest ones that I'm most looking forward to on Sunday. We had Drew Powell, actor, good buddies with Scott Agnes from out in L.A. He mentioned, like, can you write a better movie script than the ebbs and flows of what qualifying was, getting pumped out of the race by your own teammate, being very humble about it? Because in the grand scheme of things, Graham Rahal was about as humble as you can get in that situation. I mean, I think anybody in their right mind would have been PO'd, and he probably was. But he still had the cognizant ability to go and, you know, sort of accept it at the end of the day and then... You know, the, all the drama that happens between Honda and Chevy to get him even in that car. I mean, and look, Jimmy, back in 2021, Graham Rahal, he was running the perfect strategy to win this race. He had the gas situation down. His car was fast. He was leading laps. He was very good. And then uh, a bolt on his tire is the reason why he's out of the race. The tire falls off the car. It bounces onto the aero screen of Connor Daly. And see you later, Graham Rahal. He slams the... Indianapolis Motor Speedway pavement and frustration, and and that's the end of it. Last year, frustrating as well for Graham. I I, I don't think if you're Graham Rahal, as you enter this race, there's no pressure on you. You're a brand new team. You're working with everybody new. Why not go do it? Yep. Why, why not just push the pace? What do you have to lose at this rate? It's not even your car. It's not even your brand. It is nothing. It, this is a free ride in the Indianapolis. This is like if you or me got in a car, it's like, what the hell? We don't have nothing to lose. Let's go crash Quite this well. thing. Let's go crash this thing. Of course, he's not going to do that. But this is a, as free of a chance. This is passing go and collecting 200 it, it, bucks. It's the, go it's the for house's it, brother. money of house money. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a seize-the-moment opportunity for Graham Rahal. And again, we don't know how it's going to shake out, but you're right. It has all the feelings of a, of a Hollywood script set up in that regard. We're going to have plenty of recaps, of analysis, of predictions for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 as we roll through here on the Fan Midday Show. Joey Monero is going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. Kurt Cavan, top of the hour. Tony Donahue, bottom of the 1 o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen at 2 o'clock. And then, as we mentioned, Doug Kazarian of ESPN's Daily Wager will join us at 2.30, give you any last-minute bets before we, of course, string our heads together and hand out our final wagers for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. But since we have an open segment here, and you mentioned a lot has happened since the last time you and I were behind the microphone together. You, of course, have been up in South Bend rolling with those Cubs, and we've been following Anthony Richardson watch throughout since the moment he got drafted. OTAs underway. BK, again, first opportunity you and I have had to dive into this subject matter. It feels different from a coverage standpoint, as you would expect, because you think it's the future face of the franchise. You know that experience better than anybody with getting to see up-and-coming stars for the Cubs throughout the system, and especially over there in South Bend. When you look at what is there for Anthony Rixton right now, we don't have to read the tea leaves on, oh, him and Minshew splitting reps, what does it all mean? But when you look at the opportunity that is in front of the Colts, assuming they do decide to go with Richardson to open the season, where are your expectations just for him in terms of how you're going to observe this team? Well, Jimmy, I've never been a start a rookie quarterback guy. Never in my life. Not once. Let me retract the never. question then. What do you want the Colts to do? I want them year? to start Anthony Richardson. Okay. I want Anthony Richardson to start week one. Now, I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm not from here. I'm from Chicago. I'm not a Bears fan, though, but I am a Bears observer. I'm a Bears observer in the Chicago media because when Matt Eberflus took the Chicago Bears job, 
that is not a good decision right there. That guy's going to get toasted by the media. He already is. People were calling for his job at the end of this year. Matt Eberflus, best of luck to you, brother, but it's not going well, at least from a Chicago media perspective sure. already. Number two, I did not want Justin Fields to see the field in Chicago because the Bears were going to be terrible no matter what happened. Horrendous. The Bears were going to be terrible. Yep. Whether Justin Fields saw the field or not, the Bears were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, which has been the case. Yep. The Indianapolis Colts are kind of a little bit past that because I don't know what Anthony Richardson's going to be, Jim. I don't think any of us do because he's, to me, the ultimate wild card. I did not want Will Levis in any spectrum to be in an Indianapolis Colts uniform. Never not once get out of here. Best of luck in Tennessee. I wanted Bryce Young. I wanted Bryce Young. Didn't happen. Colts kind of slept on their own. They didn't decide to make that trade. Fine. Bryce Young's a Carolina Panther. I was not on the Stroud hype train. I know Eddie was a big Stroud guy. If the Colts end up with C.J. Stroud, it's kind of one of those feelings. Would have been happy. Cool. Let's see what he's got. I was always a Richardson guy just because I didn't know what he was. It's the ultimate mystery, There's Jimmy. There's potential there. It, it's, it's the Joker card where you're like, all right, this can either start really well or it could either start really not so well yep. and people are going to be having this conversation again a year from yep. now. But just that avenue of hope with Anthony Richardson is the reason why I need him to see the field. If he plays behind Minshew, it, it's a Nick Foles situation all over again. Remember when we, Nick Foles got named the starter in those last three weeks? I understand it's the end of the season. It's the start of the season. Who could but, forget? Magical time. But, like, and I think Minshew is better than Foles. That's clear because Minshew can use his feet. He's got a better arm. Sure. But, like, what more do I need to see out of Gardner Minshew to know? The only reason I would be okay with Gardner Minshew seeing the field and the Colts would never say this, but this would be my assumption if it is Minshew week one and beyond, is because when they look at Anthony Richardson, he is not processing things the way that they want. Yeah. He is is getting caught behind defensive pressure. He's not being able to either reach a check down or go through his progressions in the right way to the point that he is so raw and so not ready from a playbook standpoint, putting him out there would do more harm than good. I'm talking about when he wants to use his leg, he starts getting in the habit of, well, I can go do this with my legs. Why would I wait for progressions to occur? The guys around me, are, he thinks, aren't doing their job, even though they might be, because he's missing reads. going to take off, use his legs, and he's going to start getting happy feet. That would be an area where, even though they wouldn't say that publicly, because why would they trash their first-round pick and future face the franchise, that would be my assumption if he doesn't start. If he doesn't start because, well, we just want to give him three weeks to get a feel, but he's good. He's got the mentality. He's picking up the playbook. Everything else is fine. It's a waste of three games. It's a waste of three games for Anthony Richardson's development. It's a waste of three games for the Colts because even though they have the softest schedule, fourth softest schedule, I beg my pardon, within the NFL this coming season, they're not playing for anything next year. Like, like, somehow squeaking into the playoffs if someone even wants to entertain that would be a minor miracle. I'm with you. But that's why I want to see him on the field because it's the opposite side of the Bears where the Bears had nothing for right. Justin Fields. They had no offensive line. They had no weapons. David Montgomery's old. Khalil Herbert You're was... asking bad habits to form by putting Justin Fields out there because exactly. of what was around him. His only piece was Khalil right. Herbert and nobody right. knew Khalil Herbert was going to be good yep. before him and Fields got together. Kind of different here because you still have to make a decision on Pittman. I was listening to you and James Boyd about that. I'm kind of on the side. I'm I'm not paying Pittman, but he's at least with you. So you give Anthony Richardson Michael Pittman. You give Anthony Richardson Alec Pierce. You give Anthony Richardson the most importantly, Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. And you give him a capable enough defense, be it 
who had the biggest comeback in NFL history against them last year, but they got hung out to dry, and I we talked about this. I thought Gus Bradley should have came back, and he did, which is good. Important to keep that continuity, particularly when you have veterans on this team, but also so many rookies like Juju Brents, for instance, where you're wanting to have guys outside of just your coordinator that can help get them right and ready to go for the season. And all this long-winded saying, Anthony Richardson needs to be out there because you need to know what he can do before you have to make a decision on JT and you make a decision on Pittman, Jimmy. Because if you choose to blow this thing up, Anthony Richardson is your quarterback of the future. But boy, I'd love to see him with just some weapons. Very few times does a quarterback like this, maybe other than Burrow and a couple others, have a Jonathan Taylor at his disposal. Didn't happen with Fields. Again, he had absolutely nothing. It's not going to happen with Levis because... You know, whether he wins the job or not, Derrick Henry, who knows how much he, longer he's in Tennessee, their wide receivers, boy, their wide receiver room might be in a worse spot than the Colts, <laughs> their, right? Their wide receiver room is, is horrific at this point. I would agree it is in a worse spot than the Colts. And on top of that, to your Derrick Henry point, they are going through what every team that winds up with the next generational talent running back yeah. goes through, which is where does this end? Where are we drawing the line? Where are we moving on? The Colts are eventually going to have that bridge with Jonathan Taylor. Right, but all of that is why, to me, Anthony right. Richardson needs to see the field. Is this a playoff team? I sure as hell hope not, because they got way more windows <laughs> to address. Look, if, they, but, if they fall backwards into one because Richardson is your starter week one and he performs at a high level and they take advantage of the week schedule, I wouldn't be mad about it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. His growth does matter. But, but what you're saying, and I'm right there with you in that camp, is that it's very unlikely, and that should not be the bar of expectation, for anybody, like, other than the coaching staff and the players, because, you know, we get it. Yeah, we're going for two Lombardies in a decade. Yeah, the clock's <laughs> on. Sure. The rivalry's back on. <laughs> uh, but, no, Jimmy, this is just such a unique situation that you have the pieces, but you don't have the full-on team. So, go out and win a couple games you're not supposed to? That's cool. I, I don't think the Colts need the number one pick now to go and address what they need to. I think Chris Ballard, I've been critical of some of Ballard's draft decisions for sure, but... What he did this year, I thought that was exceptional. But I guess what worries me in a way, too, is as much as I want Richardson on the field, Richardson's speed could probably take him away from some things that happened to Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles last year. But, God, I don't want him to get killed. That, that's where you start to run into trouble. Well, and, and the flip side to that is, right, he can do it with his legs. He can get away more if the offensive line does have shortcomings. But how, but, much, how much can he is the Correct, and, and how much do you really want him to? Because, again, that's where you risk those bad habits getting into form for a young rookie because the biggest thing, and it's underrated because it's not sexy, it's not something people like to talk about, but the biggest thing for a young quarterback is the trust and the respect established with his guys up front. If there is not continuity there in some aspect, it does not matter how talented the quarterback is, things are going to fail. I know I'm using an extreme example here, but go look at what my Chiefs have done for the last three or four years with their star asset. They got blown up in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers two years ago because their offensive line couldn't protect their multi-million dollar asset. What did they do? They ensured that's never going to happen again. They made the offensive line a priority. The Colts have done that from a money standpoint. The problem is regression arrived. Knocked at the door, broke it down, and ruined everything. You cannot have that again this year. No, especially with what you need Richardson to be because... Look, the track record's not very good, is it, with bringing in a young quarterback and not protecting him. But I will say, the actual weapons that are at Richardson's disposal 
I mean, can you imagine the read option with JT and Anthony Richardson? <laughs> Hello. I'm right there with you. Over betters galore if you're in that regard for point totals this season. We've got a great show for you today. Doug Kazarian is going to join us at 2.30 of ESPN's A Daily Wager. Kevin Bowen, our very own, at 2 o'clock. Tony Donahue at 1.30. Kurt Cavan, the great, going to join us with a full update on what's going on here at Carb Day and who he feels is going to take things and the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. But up next, one of our very own, one of our good friends, the talented Joey Molinaro, going to join us on the other side. Great day at the Speedway. You're on Carb Day on the Fan Midday Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back here on the Fan Midday Show from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway here on Carb Day with Brennan King. I am Jimmy Cook, joined by one of our favorites, one of your favorites, if you haven't been under a lock, a rock the last four years. It's Joey Molinaro, Indy's own. Follow the boy on Twitter, at Joey Molinaro. Joey, how are we doing? My boys, thanks for having me, man. Nothing better than being here on Carb Day. The sun is out and shining. Look at this crowd. I mean, this is, this is something, man, so I'm thrilled to be here. Hey, man, this place, with you growing up around here, how did it start for you with the love, and kind of how has it grown to where you are today? It's gone from, I'm sure, diehard fan to media personality. It's pretty cool. Honestly, it's pretty funny, and I talked about it last night at the Vogue, but I did not grow up coming here. Really? I I, I, I was a Southside kid, indie born and raised, but all the time on Memorial Day weekend, I was playing in, like, travel baseball tournaments and stuff, right? So we had, like, other humble priorities that were going yeah, on. That's big, not a humble travel. brag at all. That's not a humble, <laughs> big, humble brag no, at all. Big travel guy. I'm oh, saying. You're getting, yeah, you're yeah, scouted uh, out there. Yeah, 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 right. The 12-year-olds with, the, you know, the <laughs> Indiana Bulls. Like, bring in the writing! Uh-huh. Yeah, all the dads are uh, doing the scouting out there. Uh, but that's what I was doing. So I didn't actually start coming here regularly until I worked for the fan. Wow. And so I was here and started getting, in, you know, uh, ingratiated with it when I worked for the fan. And then I really fell in love with it when I was, like, 21, 22, 23. And uh, that wasn't even me going to the snake pit or anything, right? I mean, I was here working, and I fell in love with it. And now it's become a whole thing, a very, very big part of my life. And uh, I love it more than anything, man. This is May is better than Christmas. It really is. Walk us through the last 24 hours for you, because yeah. you, you and I both go to Ron Cali High on the south side, uh-huh. and we know the hours that you put into the career that you built for yourself, yeah. getting to headline at the Vogue, yeah. getting your name up on, on the placard outside. I mean, this feels for us anyway, maybe not for you, like a media rounds for you, get an opportunity to catch you after that because <laughs> of how special that event was. It was very special, man. And, and thank you to, to anybody out there who's listening who came last night. I know that Kevin uh, Bowen had me on, my buddy, and, and, and I got to promote it on this station, so I appreciate that. Uh, but it was just surreal, man. I mean, like, you almost have, like, a blackout scenario where, like, I'm like, 
like, did that even happen? I had to look at the photos this morning uh, to remind myself that it actually did, you know? So dream come true, and, and we had a, a full show, man. We had uh, Ben Polizzi, obviously, was there. Of course. Uh, of course yeah. he was there, right? Scotty Max, Scott McLaughlin came out. Uh, Clayton Anderson, Drew Powell, mm -hmm. uh, fellow Southsider, Taylor Tijerina. I mean, we just had a full uh, a show, and we had a full house. It was really, we had people upstairs, we had people downstairs. Uh, the Bogue was popping last night, and uh, I'm really just riding off of that high right now, man. Absolutely, yeah. Joey Molnar, our guest here on our special Carb Day Midday Show Edition program. Cars on the track, beautiful sound. Boys, it's a gorgeous day. I, Joey, for you, getting to know the personalities of the drivers. I get to experience mm -hmm. it getting to know the future Cubs and yep. telling their stories. But for you to kind of tell their story from an off-track perspective, you really get yeah. into their lives and their upbringing. So how cool is that for you as you continue to fall in love this place more, Man, after, I, more and more after a year? That's what I try to tell. You know, I try to bring newcomers into this series, into this sport, into this place. Because I say, look, you get access like no other type of sport or series. You know, Joseph Newgarden is the Aaron Rodgers of our sport here, right? You can be 30 minutes out of before the big show and you can get a selfie with him, an autograph with him, and you can be in his garage, right? I mean, that's a very affordable, easy thing, you know? And all these guys have such great personalities. They're so fun. They're so engaging. Uh, and that's what I try to push to everybody is like, these guys want to have fans. These guys want people to come out to the track. They want people to come up with them and take selfies with them and sign autographs and engage with your kids or your nephew or whoever, or even you. Um, and so, you know, I love these guys. That's part of the reason that I fell in love with this uh, place and this series as well is just, you know, the New Gardens. Uh, the, the Rossi sometimes, if he's in a good mood, right? Uh, the Scotty Max, uh, the James Hinchcliffs of the world. You know, they're all just great dudes who want to have fun. Connor Daly, obviously. Uh, and, and I think more people need to see that. You and Connor, speaking of him, host the Speed Street Podcast. You yep. get that wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. And we had him on yesterday. And I'm hoping you can maybe provide a little bit more clarity here because perhaps he was keeping <laughs> oh his boy. cards close to the chest. Okay. We brought up the fact that last year he was a part of Beadgate where he had 1.75 million of those little uh -huh. micro beads yep. poured into his hot tub. Yep. And throughout all those articles, I was going back and rereading them, he mentions he was planning retribution in terms of the Frank uh, aspect of that, of trying to get revenge. He told us yesterday, dodged the question a little bit in terms of he was going to retaliate. He did say, though, they had some saran wraps of scooters and golf courts and all all sorts of other chaos out there on the lot. Is there anything in the works there at all? You know, it's just letting it go and turn the other cheek. It's very interesting because we're two days out from the race. Right. And it's been pretty tame over there. That's what he said. You know, last year I was out there one night, and I won't name names, but there was people putting golf carts on top of other golf carts. <laughs> there was people putting golf carts, trying to put them on top of motorhomes. Um, obviously, we saw what happened with Connor in his hot tub. It was very nefarious there last year. This year, we've seen some, like, pixie handles on Pato Award scooter. You know, that's fine. Scotty Mack, I think, had his Saram wrapped, his scooter. I'm wondering if they are building up for something very big, either tonight, tomorrow during the day. But at the same time, I don't know if you get into, like, driver courtesy. Yeah, are we approaching into yeah. race game I, Yeah, I think right. we're, like, approaching, infringing on, like, driver courtesy of, like, dude, really? Like, it's like before, bothering a starting pitcher. Yeah, like, before the big show, you know? <laughs> like, like yeah. come don't on. Don't talk to him. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to do that. So I have not heard anything yet. Uh, unfortunately, I think Connor learned the hard way last year that uh, you don't bring those kind of accessories into the track, at least not when your friends with Alexander Rossi. Sure. So, yeah. 
Joey Molinaro with us here on the Fan Midday Show, a special Carb Day edition from the track. About another 20 minutes or so of the last practice before the 100. So glad running. you guys are the ones out here, by the way. What do you mean? Just because, you know, this is a great crew. And this oh, yeah. is a crew that I worked with when I was yeah. hopping in earlier. Honestly, crazy. You guys week. kill it. Yeah. I-, I did the South Bend games Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, well, last night. This today, back to South Bend tomorrow here for race day. So crazy it's week. Five dream, hours of dream, today. Dream work, baby. And his Florida Panthers are still Let's high, go, baby. Yeah. Let's go. Come on. Uh, hey, what's your, what's your race day routine like? You do everything the same every year? Or what, well, what are you going to do this year? We're, that's, what we're, that's what we're learning a little bit now. I got my son. He's down there sleeping. Yep. Um, and then we have the motorhome thanks to Mountain Comfort. I love the headphones. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> That's good. yeah, yeah. We're, we're taking care of them. But we have the uh, motorhome out there uh, thanks to both IMS and obviously Rusty and Mount Comfort RV for hooking that up. Um, so go if you're if you're looking for one of those, go to Mount Comfort RV. But uh, now the, our routine is wake up when the cannon goes off. You know, shoot up out of bed because we get freaked out. We'll probably already be up because we have a nine-month-old, so <laughs> he'll be up before then anyways. Um, and what we do from there is my mother-in-law makes biscuits and gravy. Mm. Uh, very, very good biscuits and gravy, so that's good to soak up in a little pregame before the booze on Sunday. And then from there, we have the golf cart, and we kind of roll around, pick up people who need to be picked up, take them to and from, make sure we're having a lot of Miller Lights, and uh, we start to make our way to our seats over there in uh, Grandstand B, uh, thanks to my father-in-law. Uh, we're right across from the video board uh, at the end of the pits. It's a great, great seat. Uh, but we start to make our way there probably an hour before the before the race starts so we can catch all the festivities and see everything. But yeah, biscuits and gravy in the morning, followed by a heavy amount of Miller lattes. Have you mentioned? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> have you have you made your pick yet for the 107th running? And if you have not, yeah. you mentioned on a podcast earlier this week. I apologize that it's escaping me. But Man, you talked scouting. about Takuma. I know yeah. you talked about Takuma Sato yeah. and how he's always lurking, kind of like a grim reaper. It feels like here sure. on the oval because that's his specialty. Yep. I guess talk a little bit about that with Sato, and then have you made a selection yet for the big, great spectacle race? Yeah, it's all, it was Dirty Mo Doe. So that's yep. the betting podcast there with uh, Dirty Mo Media, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, he's around here somewhere, um, but he takes us on and. That's where Speed Street uh, lives. But uh, I mentioned, yeah, I said Takuma Sato. I mean, you look, 2017, 2020. Here we are three years later, right? He's in a Ganassi car. He's going to be very fast, you know? So at 12 to 1, I think you got to like that. I have made my pick, and I made it on these airwaves, actually, with Kevin Bowen. Um, I said that Patricio Award will win this year. He came so close last year. Didn't, didn't, you know, couldn't send it in turn one to overtake uh, Erickson there at the very end, but he was right there. He's been, re- I mean, he, he, he's been close. He, he, you can make the argument that he could have won two, three races already this year. I mean, he's been sure. that close. Uh, and I think the man is just an absolute assassin out there on the track. He's always fast here. And uh, uh, the, the McLarens, you know, they've been strong this entire month and the entire season, really. So uh, Pato was my official pick. But I have also, can I tell you who else I've laid on? Please. There you, okay, yeah. So, uh, Pato, you know, Pelot's such an easy pick. I don't even okay, so that Everybody, you just got earlier. rocked yeah, over here. Gonna, yeah. that was my next you just anyway. shoved it right back to Jake. I'm the Go. only one that took the pole sitter. I love the story. I love the idea of somebody sweeping sure, the sweet May. May. We saw Simon Patrick do it in 2019. Loser. But, like, that's <laughs> yeah. just, yeah, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it. I'll take that. But I was the only one of the fan to do it. I was the only one stupid. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. So, it's okay. So, my other one's Pato, Stick with McLaren, Rossi. Um, then I'm going uh, Connor, obviously, because sure. he led the most laps last year. He finished fifth. He races for this race. He's always fast here. Um, and then my, 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 my dark horse, the guy that I'm riding with, really, really, really pumped about, Ryan Hunter-Ray. 
6,500. Yeah. Got him at, I got him at 5,500. So I need to get on last here, night. I laid yeah. a couple dimes. Yeah, he laid right there. Yeah. Starting 18th. When he won in 2014, he started 19th. Okay, I think we're going to see kind of an Elio type of situation possibly in 2021. Elio wasn't a full-time ride. Comes in, kind of middle of the pack. Sure. Wins number four. Ryan Hunter raised one here before. He's been close numerous times other than that. Uh, and he's got, a, he's got a good ride. I mean, it's been a nice, stealthy, dry and Ryan Bold black ride that's been looking good uh, throughout the month. And uh, the dude knows how to win here. And so if you're looking for dark horse, long shot for me, Ryan Hunter Ray is the guy. Fellas, I put a couple bones on Santino Ferrucci before quals. It was plus 7,500. So I'm that's, very envious. That, that's the ticket I'm, 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 I'm banking on, but I will say at the same time. No comment on Santino. Ooh. For, like. Not betting on him, no comment. Oh, okay, got it. Got it, got it. I, 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 I didn't know. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, I, Captain. I don't know about uh, you. That's, uh, I'm not interested in going yeah, over to that. Also, uh, when's the next time you're going to get Scott Dixon a plus 800 to win this race? This is true. Yeah. yeah. He, that, he, that, that is very enticing. It is, but it's. You know, Scott Dixon is like the Peyton Manning of this place. Yeah. You know? He really like, is. He, 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 Peyton got two. He did end up getting two. And you're right. And that could very well happen on Sunday. But it's just kind of interesting that, you know, he is obviously one of the best ever. Um, such a long track of success. But he only has that one here. You know, and then the, the, the big storyline, I think, too, is when is Team Penske going to ratchet it up here? And when are we going to see Joseph Newgarden get hit? This is twelve five hundred. Yeah, that when are we going to see huh? when are we when are we going to see him drink the milk? Will we see him drink the milk? Uh, the bus bros, you know, Will Powers already won here, but you know, um, and I love Joe and I love Scott, but we know that the captain, man, I mean, he has the number eighteen reserved over there because that's how many times he's won here. The championships are fine, but unless you're drinking the milk, eventually something's got to give with Roger. Last question for you, Joey. In terms of looking at rookies for this race, it's, it's so incredibly difficult. I liken it a lot to trying to be a first-timer at Augusta. As you, as you evaluate this rookie class heading into the 500, what, what really stands out to you, or will you stay away from them entirely? I think the two main things that stand out to me is one's name is actually Stingray, yes. and then the <laughs> other, he spells it with a D and not a T in his last name. So, um, you know, I mean, Benjamin Peterson, obviously, in the Foyt, you know, they, they, they have found a lot of speed here, and uh, they've, they've been really, really, really good this month. So, yeah, I mean, the easy money there, obviously, is Benjamin Peterson because the, the, the A.J. Foyt cars have been so strong, uh, and he was in, you know, the Fast 12. Uh, so if you go there, you got to look rookie of the year, Benjamin Peterson, easy money, but who knows with this place, man? Absolutely, who knows? Joe, before we get you out of here, got to ask you a Cubs question. I know Kyle Hendricks got nice. roughed up a little bit in his – return to the big leagues but yeah. pitched here in indianapolis at victory field against <laughs> the indians that was awesome but yeah. uh man the young guys coming up chris morrell that run of five homers in a row in five games my guy problem. matt mervis he yeah. started the year with us last year yeah merv's a stud so i know it hasn't gone technically according to plan neither has the nl central quite frankly but i think the cubbies are gonna be okay how about you i think they're gonna be fine i think this is about exactly where we would think they'd be four or so three or four games either above or under 500 it's still may 
you know, so we still have the dog days of summer coming. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, Morel, I mean, what a, what a monster that guy is. He was is. with us in 19, won a championship. And the best part about him is he was the exact same way in, in 19 as he is now. Energizer, Budney, guys. This, this so, the so fun yeah. to watch play. Love that guy. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think the future is bright. And I think with these kind of things, you know, the easy thing to say, but it's the right thing to say, is that it's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, you totally revamped from your entire run that you had 2016, 2017, even a little bit of 2018, even though they got bounced by the Rockies. Um, so I think it's just going to take time, but I'm excited about all those pieces that they got there, and it was good to see the professor, even though he did get roughed up. It's been a while since we've seen him back out there on the bump, so it was good to see. It's good to see. Yeah. Selfishly, this is really cool for all three of us to be oh, able absolutely. to have Absolutely. Like this this is fantastic, yeah. Really appreciate you making my time man. for us. Yeah, Continued for sure. all the best to you, my man. Yeah, love Enjoy you guys. Enjoy race day. Same. Have a good morning. Absolutely. Yep, same to you. That is Joey Molinaro. Again, if you're not already, what are you doing? You can follow him on Twitter, at Joey Molinaro. Always appreciate getting an opportunity to catch up with him. We have more to come here on the Fan at Midday show from Carb Day. Still on the way, conversations with Kurt Cavan, Tony Donahue, Kevin Bowen, and Doug Kazarian here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Dare I say capacity crowd? I will say it. Capacity crowd at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for Carb Day. You, we were just talking about it during the break. Jimmy Cook and Brennan King here on the fan midday show. This has to be one of the most packed carb days that either of us have ever been a part of. Well, I haven't been to many. My first race was in 2016. I was not here in 17, 18, or 19. Uh, my first race that I ever covered was 2020, when obviously... There were zero people here. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I got to experience Elio's win in 21, you know, be it whatever it was, 40% filled. You know, Carb Day that year, we were doing these shows from inside the media center. We are looking at the media center from our perspective here at the 107.5 The Fan 10. And really, last year was my first true Carb Day and, and as a member of the media. But I can say, Jimmy, that I don't remember last year. Now, it was loaded, but I don't remember being in, seeing an ocean of people there at Pagoda Plaza. I don't remember looking into the grandstands across from us past that other radio tent across from us. Um, and seeing the grandstands completely filled. I mean, there's not an open seat from what we see, you know, be that 100 yards away. Um, so this is unique. This is cool. And, I mean, I'm quite frankly honored that we even get a chance to do this. I mean, five hours of radio today for me. I mean, this is 
I, I wouldn't change it for the world. This is awesome. No, right back at you. And like we talked about, Joey Monero joined us a little bit ago. You can get that podcast a little bit later today. Search the Fan Midday Show wherever you get your podcast, 1075thefan.com. But I'm right there with you. It couldn't ask for better weather. Couldn't have asked for a better team. Eddie Garrison has us rolling as well back in the drivehubert.com studios on Monument Circle. Still to come today from Carb Day, we have a loaded lineup for you. Kurt Cavan is going to join us coming up here in just a second at the top of the hour as well as a conversation with Tony Donahue, Kevin Bowen, and Doug Kazarian of ESPN's The Daily Wager will give us the handicapper's guide to finding a winner or perhaps a couple of areas to sprinkle for potential winners for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Around the corner, though, Kurt Cavan. You hear him with Trackside from Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee throughout the month of May and weekly on 93.5107.5. The fan will give us the lowdown ahead of the greatest spectacle in racing here on the Fan Midday Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It is the Fan Midday Show rolling on Carb Day from Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Brendan King. I am Jimmy Cook. Thanks so much for spending part of your Carb Day with us here on the Fan. You just heard the car zoom by on that promo rejoiner. We could get the authentic sound straight up right at the track right now as practice just wrapped up here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Joining us now is one of our favorites, one of the fans' very own, as well as a member of Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the NTT IndyCar Series crew. It's Kurt Cavan. Nice enough to take some time with us here on Carb Day. Kurt, how are you doing today? Well, the weather could be a little nicer. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It perfect. We got a great crowd and some good speeds, a safe session. So we really had no issues to speak of. So we're ready for race day. What does Carb Day mean to you, Kurt? You know, I think it's like, I don't want to say it's like the JV game has just ended, but it's like we know the varsity games, we're, we know we're ready for it. Maybe this is like, I don't know, just before the Super Bowl or, you know, just just ready for the big moment. I mean, you look at the people and the, the vastness of the crowd and the facility, I mean, it just tells you that we're on the eve of something. So it's that's what it means. When you look at all the people rolling through here on Carb Day, Brendan and I don't have the, you know, Years and years of experience that you have with this easy, event, this great week, and I know I had to, I had to approach <laughs> that as careful as I could. I, 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 I did the best I could there. Please, please forgive me, Kurt. But when you look at the attendance to this point for Carb Day, this is the largest Brennan and I have seen it since we've been working events here. Yeah, it's 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 magnificent. You know, I think what else this day says to me is that it, it's a reminder that people come into this sport for different reasons, through different channels. Maybe they came for the racing action. There's a lot of people sitting in the grandstands. 
But they also came here for the partying. They also come here for the concerts. And they come here. We have a country concert. We have, you know, uh, Brian Adams. We have an EDM concert over the over in turn three on race morning. You can be introduced to this event and this sport in a variety of different ways, and, and one size doesn't fit all. It isn't the same for everybody. You may have come here in college, and you got the bug, and you knew it was a place to be, and then you become interested in the cars and the competition and, and race day itself. You know, some people are think they're traditionalists, and they think, well, you got to be here for the racing, but... You can come for any number of reasons, and that's why we love it such as a community event. Well, Kurt, I'm a one-year veteran of the Snake Pit one time. Uh, my first race was the 100th running. I was in the Snake Pit, so I feel a little bit guilty. No, that's I, mean, how... I saw nothing of the race. I feel a little guilty. So. No, that's not guilty because that's how most of us came in some form or fashion. The Snake Pit used to be in the, inter- in the middle of, of turn one on the inside. And so it was a, a lot more debauchery, and, you know, it was just... <laughs> the old, honestly, old-school snake pit stories. I'm sure JMV's got plenty of them, but, I, I mean, the ones I hear are ridiculous. So, you know, people just came different, you know, for different reasons. My dad saw the, his first Indy 500 from a scaffolding in turn three. You know, it wasn't like a turn one grandstand seat, you know, it wasn't the penthouse, it wasn't a media center. That's how he came to it. So people come are introduced to the sport and this event in a variety of ways, and that's okay. With what's on the table for Carb Day, obviously the last opportunity for all 33 drivers to be able to fine-tune everything, make sure it is at the level of specification they want for race day. How is maybe the the strategy or the way that Carb Day is approached by these teams changed over the years? So one thing has remained consistent, and that is the objective of Carb Day is to get out safely. To get out without damaging your car, with just learn some things. You know, and I was just getting ready to look at the the number of laps turned. And the difference, to your point, is I remember when carb days in my early years in this career, carb day, they might run six or seven laps. Now, you've got, you've got teams turning, you know, a significant number of laps today, 20 all the way up to 60. They just run more because... The, Part of it is the rule change that if you damage your car and you replace your car, you got to keep your starting spot. So 20 years ago, if you damaged your car, you went to the last spot in the, in the field on race day. So that's a big change. It was a big penalty if you hurt your car on carb day. So people are a little more relaxed about that, and you just go out and try to practice. But the biggest objective is to get out safely. Kirk Cavan, our guest here on the Fan Midday Show from Pagoda Plaza at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook. So you look at the timing and scoring here. Three of the four Ganassi cars are in the fastest four. Um, I know it all matters come race day, but seeing Sato, Dixon, and Pelot all up there, about as expected? Absolutely expected. I've been saying all week, you know, until someone shows me differently, the Ganassi cars are the ones to beat. I know Aero McLaren's looked really good. I know Team Penske has great aspirations, and there are a few others through the field, Ferrucci, Rena's VK, Ed Carpenter, they all have designs on winning this race. But this race goes through the Ganassi cars until proven otherwise. If you win the pole or you're in that front row, you can dictate the pace of where things go. But as you've talked to drivers over the years, is there a preferred spot or preferred area that you would like to be to start this race? Or is it more just where you are in that final 10 to 15 laps to go window? Well, 
it, there, to answer your question, it's, it has changed. I was talking to Ari Leidyke about this last night, and his point was you used to just have to make sure that, that you were not falling a lap down. You just need to stay on the lead lap, and it didn't matter if you were 10 seconds back or 20 seconds back. You just need to stay there until the last 50 laps. Today's racing has changed because there's so many cars that can stay in that front you know, group and it's difficult to pass, not because of the equipment, just all the cars are close. So, you know, it's like being on the highway and you're running 65, the guy's running 68. Okay, he's a little bit faster, so he, you know, he should be able to pass you or you're past him, a slower car. But if you're not seven miles an hour faster, you probably can't get around him very easily. So the point is everybody's close. You kind of need to be in the top 10 all day. Marcus Erickson did that last year. He stayed, if you look at his lap chart, he was between third and fifth all day. And when the top two guys, Dixon and Pelot, had issues, he was there to capitalize. I still think this is Pelot's race or Dixon's race until uh, something changes. When was the last time to you that Scott Dixon kind of was the guy not being talked about from Chip Ganassi Racing? Because I really, you know, Pelot winning the pole and having a great month, but it just seems like Dixon, in terms of media chatter, fan chatter, is the quieter of the Ganassis. I think the last time we weren't talking about him was 1974. <laughs> because, you know, he's, for 20 years in this Ganassi reign, he, except for the two years he drove for another manufacturer that's not in the sport, so we're not giving them the credit. Uh, but, you know, he's just always been there. It's amazing he hasn't won more than one Indy 500. He's made a, only one mistake that I can remember, and he continues to be in that lead conversation. He's been on the pole the last two years prior to this one. I think he'll be in that last shootout when we get to uh, about 3.30 on on Sunday. I know he's a guy that's done it all. Five series championships. Six. Six, yeah, six. Um, the fastest pole sitter until this year with Polo taking that reign. Indy 500 champ. Does he need that second 500 to cement his legacy? Not to me. Uh, I think historically you'll, you will need that. I mean, you know, it's all about what the career looks like. Takuma Sato's got two Indy 500 wins. We're not talking about him at that level. Dixon's already done everything he can do, but it's a second one would it would remind most of these people that he was an Indy 500 winner. In fact, even myself, when I start talking about Indy 500 winners, I'm thinking Canon, Castro Neves, you start going down the list, it takes me sometimes a little while to get back to Dixon because it's been... It was like, you know, more than a decade ago. Decade plus, yeah. Yeah. You need, you need to kind of be reminded of that he was an Indy 500 winner. Is there a way to contextualize properly what Tony Kanaan has meant both to this community, this sport, and this series, with it being in all likelihood his last 500? Well, he's just been the people's champion. You know, Castro Neves has... has achieved great uh, you know prominence for a lot of reasons but Tony's been the one that's kind of more I don't want to say normal <laughs> he's more like one of us he you would think he'd be the one you'd be more likely to go have a beer with <laughs> I don't think he drinks beer but uh, you know it's just he's the more I don't even say fan friendly because Castro Nevis is as well I think that two of them 
we're really going to miss the two of them yeah. when they're gone because they've been so connected as Brazilians, as longtime, you know, boyhood buddies. Uh, you know, they've just been connected for so long that when they're gone, I think we're really going to miss them. You talked about the Ganassi cars. You talked about the McLaren cars. Team Penske, of course, is high in there, too. But A.J. Foyt putting both of his cars in the Fast 12. What does that tell you? It's really uplifting for the team and for A.J. lost his wife about a month ago. You know, it's it would be really special if, if that car could run through, the, through most of the race in the top five. I just don't know. I, you have a second slip-up. I mean, not uh, number one, number two, but if if you lose a pit stop by 60 seconds, you know, a certain amount of time, <laughs> a second is what I was getting at, that's a huge difference on the racetrack. And if that comes under green, you've lost 300 yards on the racetrack. That might be 10 positions. You've got to have perfect pit stops. Not good pit stops, perfect pit stops to win this race. Now, having said that, Jill DeFerrin had a mistake in his. Sam Hornish had a mistake in his pit stops, and both came back to win the race. But they're at Team Penske. I just don't know if Foyt. I just don't know. I mean, we got to see that to believe it. Ferrucci's run really well here in the Indy 500. He's had four top ten finishes Incredible. in his ten races. So he has run well. The question is, can they make the final pit stop be perfect and win this race? One of the other key storylines that dominated the last week, Kirk Cavan, nice note to take some time with us. Here on the Fan Midday Show, our heart breaks and goes out to Stephen Wilson not being able to be a part of the 107th running, but opens the door of opportunity for Graham Rahal. That 48 hours in general for, for him and just his family getting the opportunity once again. We were joking a little bit that it, it's not necessarily a, a free entry by any means, but it's a, a new lease on an opportunity to put, be a part of this event and potentially taste greatness. How's money? You know, Graham said the other day, and I thought this was perfect. He said, you know, I'm not in the race. This was when he was out. And he said, you know, I'm not overly religious, but I believe there's a reason why I'm not in this race. By the same token... Now he is in the race, and he says, I believe there's a reason why I'm back in this race. And we don't know that reason yet. we got to see it play out. But could it be that he could have the, the most Hollywood of, of races and be up there in contention to win this race? He might be. This is really a, a, a big one. He might be the best race car driver in our sport right now. He's at least in the top several. I mean, it's a, it's a good field, so don't get, get us wrong, but... On race day, Graham is a race car driver like few others, and and I think I don't think he can win the race, but could he be in in the conversation late? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Kurt Cavan with us here from Pagoda Plaza at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Kurt, take us into your perspective of Bump Day and watching Jack Harvey in that last run, specifically that third lap where he found whatever he needed to to bump at the time his teammate Graham Rahal. Yeah, that's uh, that's superhuman kind of stuff. I don't I don't know how they did that. Uh, you know, there was and the reason is twofold. It's really though largely because the engine heats up when they make a qualifying run and then you slow down and then you got to go back and find the same kind of speed within minutes. But they did, and they made some. You could see it on lap two or lap three. They made an adjustment. You, the crew made a call, said, "Do this with the bars." He makes the adjustment in the cockpit, and he pulled it off. Of course, the distance 
that he improved is just so small, probably six, eight inches, you know, over a whole lap in terms of where he finished the lap. But, yeah, that was a superhuman effort and really bittersweet for him because he knocked out his teammate. His, you know, one of his best friends in the sport, the guy who's helped him get sponsorship, the guy who recruited him to the team, the guy whose name is on the door when he, you know, he walks in at work, and the guy whose name is on his paychecks. Not Graham Rahal, but Rahal is on his checks. So it's uh, bittersweet. For Graham, how tough or unique is it going from a team that he's very much used to to, to an entire new new team of engineers obviously the car is is the same at least in terms of the base there, there's differences here and there are nuances with it but how hard is that to be able to get back up to speed or is it as simple as just okay you're my crew chief these are my engineers let's roll so we take you over and we put you on another radio station in the next five minutes you put the headset on you start talking you forget where you're at and I think that's Graham as well. You put him in the race car, you hand him a steering wheel, and you drop the green flag, he didn't, he didn't care. Uh, yeah, there's a few more things. The pit box isn't where uh, it was, but I think he's fine. Kirk Cavan, as you take a look at another team, that last team that I want to specifically pinpoint, Meyer Shank Racing with Elio Castroneves winning number four in 2021. Of course, they have a priority 500 champ in Simon Pagano as well. I don't think speed has necessarily been the name of the game for them this month, even though it was a couple years ago. But You're being nice. How much of their veteran experience can change things when they don't have speed? How much does the experience matter on race day? It makes a lot of difference. You can really... Uh you can find your way on race day if you know kind of what you're doing, how to put the car, when to make pit stop strategy. Can Elio win the race? Mm, probably not, but uh, they both have the smarts. They both know how to do it. 500 miles, a lot of decisions you have to make, and I think they can do it. What's your feeling with this rookie class? This is such a hard course. I was joking about it earlier, but not really because it's true. When you look at golf, everybody talks about Augusta for first-time golfer is another iconic venue being so incredibly tough for first-timers to get a hold of. It's been done before, but with this class, what do you take away from them? Well, it's not as marquee as we've seen, but there's Canapino in the sixth spot today. That's amazing. <laughs> That's just amazing. So, yeah, I got a little water here, a little uh, choked up. No, you're good. Uh, that's Jimmy Cook. I'm Brendan King. Kirk Cavett is here. We'll get you reset. Beautiful carb day. Boy, blue skies couldn't be couldn't be any better as the pit stop challenge coming up soon. I'll give you a tease you here. We're going to give at the end of the show. Oh, I boy. did place a small wager on a, on a rookie. We will go into that with our okay. bets at well, the end of the I'm day. Ga I'm going to guess which rookie. Uh, you can guess. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is. So. I, I don't think you need to tell me. I think I already okay. know. Okay, all right. I think hold the cards. Hold all, hold all tickets, please. Well, thanks for your donation. <laughs> they can't win the race. <laughs> oh, but, you know, you know, Peterson, that's been fun. Uh, the point we talked about. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough. Any rookie be tough. Kirk Cavan, last thing for me. Um, last team I haven't discussed, Ed Carpenter Racing. Ed, Connor, Renus VK. I think Renus was actually the slowest of the 33, which is a little surprising. 222.166. He ran 89 laps. Yeah, I, I always feel like that's a car that, that's a team that always brings speed to qualifying weekend. Only one ends up qualifying for the Fast 12 shootout. Was that a little surprising to you over the last weekend? A little bit. Um, you know, I'll just say this. There's nobody I'd rather see win the Indy 500 than Ed Carpenter. Yeah. He's, he's ready. 
I think he might be the first driver that I know of that cries in victory lane if he wins. I think he'll be overcome. He's a very stoic, very, you know, cons- you know, reserved Joe guy. Cool type of guy. Yeah, yeah. he's cool. Yeah. But this means something to him. I mean, it means something to all of them. It's different with uh, Ed, and uh, that's why he's doing it. You know, that's why he's still in the race car. I don't know if I've answered your question. Well, he, but he was just short of the fast 12, too. I mean, it's not like he was that far off at the end of the day. He was actually tied at the exact same with Kanan. That was interesting. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. But uh, Connor Daly would be another one to have a really good shot. Any of the three of those could, could be factors. Is there a pathway for Ed? Yeah, of course. There's probably, you know, if, if you were really serious about handicapping this, I'd say there's nine that can win it. I don't have a carpenter in those nine. Mm. But uh, realistically, there's probably 15 in the right circumstance that could win it, and all three of the carpenters would be in that next six. When was the last time to you that a true upset happened here? Was it Rossi? Rossi was a big upset, not because of the team. team was really good, but because he was so new. You know, he, he managed that race really well. It wouldn't be a shock now if he won, but then it was a shock because yeah. he was new to the rim, new to the event. I won't make you rattle off all nine, but can we borrow two, perhaps, that you think have a good shot to take this thing on Sunday? Uh, let's see. I, you, we did our tiers the other night on trackside, and the four Ganassis and Pato Award make my first five. That's tier one. Tier two is going to have Joseph, uh, Will Power, and uh, two Arrow McLarens being Rossi and Felix. So after that, you're looking at Carpenter cars. You're looking at, let's give you one guy that that, that would be a little bit of a surprise. Uh, I will. Does he have any shot? Kirkwood? Kyle, Kyle yeah. Kirkwood, probably, probably not a great surprise. I'll get, Scott McLaughlin is probably... The, the surprise, because everybody would be looking for power or Newgarden to win the race if it came from Team Penske. And Scott McLaughlin is going to be an Indy 500 winner, in my opinion, at some point. I don't know if he's quite there yet, but I think Scott McLaughlin could steal this one. Kurt, really appreciate you taking some time with us. I know this is the, the busiest weekend of the year for all of us, but really good to catch up with your perspective. Well, I thought this. we were going to talk Colts and Pacers, but uh, <laughs> I was ready for that. We get, how about Tyrese, though? That's great. Pace car. That's sick. That We ask a lot of the uh, the drivers, you know, what's your advice? <laughs> uh, what's your advice for Tyrese? And Tony Kanan was best, and he said, don't wreck my car. <laughs> because he thinks he's going to take that pace car home with him come Sunday night, and he just might. And that'd be an incredible story. <laughs> I don't, love it. Don't wreck my car. That's good advice. No shortage of stories at all this weekend. Kurt, thank you again for making some time. Yeah, and good fun. Enjoy the weekend. Yep. That is Kurt Cavan of the NTT IndyCar Series. You find his work here on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, longtime writer for the Indianapolis Star. And, of course, you hear him on trackside with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee every night throughout the month of May in the lead-up to the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 and, of course, weekly throughout the year as well. You were able to get a little bit of a piece of, of, of those tears for, from yeah. Kurt. I am... No shame in saying that I am definitely a follower in terms of looking for different angles or areas to sprinkle some bets on it and move anything for you in terms of where you're going to go about for your picks to end No, I, yeah, I think my picks are solidified, but I will say I got Sato at plus 1,800 before qualification runs. 
and you really scooped up and cleaned up before. No, claws. I, no, you got to have a strategy. To no, it. I respect you, the strategy. Gotta, I'm not mocking it. To be clear, I'm jealous. You got to do some on calls. I got one guy that disagrees with me. The rest of the track doesn't, but that's fine. <laughs> but no, I think he's got a legitimate shot for number three. But I don't know. I think I'm going to stick with the group that I have. I love making top ten bets too. I've won each of the last three years. The best bet of the Indianapolis 500 the last three years has been Santino Ferrucci top ten. I have swept that the last three years, and unfortunately, you can't really do it again because it's like minus 150 sure. now. So the days of Santino being plus 475 for a top 10 are over, unfortunately. Well, I have no doubt we'll still find some great value by the end of the show. When our betting hour rolls around, we'll have Doug Kazarian at 2.30 of ESPN's The Daily Wager. He'll give us his thoughts and prognostication on the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Plus, of course, myself, Brennan and Eddie Garrison will hand out our final wagers ahead of the greatest spectacle in racing. When we come back, Tony Donahue going to stop by here on the Fan Midday Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Frontal Plaza, it is the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook and Brendan King here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Joined now by oh, Tony Donahue. Oh, that's not Donahue. good for us. That's, that's, that's not good Twitter for us. At Tony D. Indy. What's up, guys? Jeez, that's doing, for man? after the show. Thanks for having me. I'm going br- to get sued, so that, I'm gonna, that's for after the show. <laughs> I brought you bratwurst. I thought you guys might be hungry. No, I, I actually, know. I did the nine-inning, not hot, nine hot dog challenge in South Bend the other day. It didn't oh, go well. I, forgot, I, I, ne- saw I never want to look at a hot dog for the rest of my <laughs> Those life. Those used to be fun yeah. when it was dollar hot dog well, night, but now inflation, it's like $7. Here's so the problem it. with it. So they, we played an 11 o'clock a.m. game in South Bend, and they gave us all nine hot dogs at 10 a.m. They're like, okay, you're going to eat all these. They were freezing cold by the seventh inning. Hell Rookie no. mistake. you got to get Hell the heat lamp. That's cold. Yeah, it is cool. I'm saving it for after the show. Thank you. Uh, how about this crowd? I mean, look, this it's like cool. a, it's like marching ants. Uh, I think the crowds this entire week, going back to the Grand Prix last Saturday, have been incredible for IMS. I know Doug Bowles mentioned that they're expected to have 300 to 325,000 on Sunday. So uh, it's been crazy. I, I have traffic anxiety. I don't know if you guys have that. Coming to the racetrack, we're like, you know, you get to a point where you're like, I'm not going to make it in time. But usually you do. So Yeah, also uh, drive safe, people. Yeah. I almost got a wreck on the way in here. Just be, be careful. That's all I'm saying. Well, Marco Andretti did last night, so you got to watch that. <laughs> Tony Donahue, Burnout Sports, nice enough to make some time with us around the fan midday show. Well, let's talk brass tacks. Who, who do you like this weekend? Any, anybody in particular you got your eye on? Man, um, so when, when, when we saw the entry list a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and Takuma Sato was signed with Chip Ganassi Racing, I just thought that, that was a perfect combination. Think about Marcus Erickson winning last year. Tony Kanan kind of in that fourth car finished third for Chip Ganassi Racing. I've been on the Sato train. If, if you were to ask me like who this week has impressed you going back to practice on Monday, Will Power. Will Power has had great speed. He's at great pace. Um, he has been able to pass when he needs to. 
starting 12th. I mean, I think that's about, I think 15th is about as far back as you can start to win this race on Sunday, and he's 12th. So I look for Will Power to be able to move forward, and uh, he, I think he's the top gun for Team Penske, right? Like, Penske hasn't been that great since Roger Penske took over. They've only led three laps in the last two Indianapolis 500. So, uh, but Will Power looked really good on Monday. He looked really good today. Um, but I'm still riding that Takuma Sato train, man. I think he, he has what it takes to win this. That Chip Ganassi car, I mean, all the Ganassi cars are great right now, but I think Sato is right there. Um, I usually don't pick the pole sitter, right? Like, if you go back in history, Simon Pagino qualified on pole 2019. Before that, you got to go back to LAR 2009. So I love Alex Pillow, but I'm not going to pick him. I usually don't pick the pole sitter, but, man, Takuma Sato, every time I look up at the speed charts, that guy's on top. Tony D is with us. We just chatted a bunch with Kurt Cavan about all the drivers, but if Ganassi, McLaren, and uh, Penske are the leaders in the clubhouse right now, if you'd say. Is there a team other than them, whether that's Andretti, ECR, Meyer, Schenk, that you pinpoint, all right, they have a legitimate shot too? And I think you look at Ed Carpenter racing because Connor Daly has qualified mid-pack the last two years and he's been able to lead laps. Sometimes the pit stops cycle through or you, you kind of undercut the leaders, right? So you come in, maybe you get a yellow, you could cycle your way through. Renus is right there in second. Uh, Renus has to finish 500 miles and he has to finish 500 miles consistently. He has been able to do that. Obviously had a really good car last year, wrecked out. Um, but I think a team that we're not talking about as much when you come to that tier is Simon Pagino and Elio Castroneves at Meyer Check. These are two drivers that finished top 10 in last year's Indy 500. They're obviously former winners. Elio's done it four times. They know how to get there. You know, everybody talks about you got to get to one lap 180. Get the lap 180, clean pit stops. After that last sixth or seventh pit stop, be able to race. Elio and Simon know how to do that. Um, so if they're around at lap 180, they're certainly going to be contenders. What type of statement could Errol McLaren make this weekend? You know, that's a great, great question because you start with Tony Kanaan, right, who is their one-off. It's supposed to be his last Indy 500. I know we've heard that similar uh, scenario the last couple of years. Um, I don't think we're talking enough about Alexander Rossi. I know he had some issues in practice uh, earlier today, but we're not talking much about Alexander Rossi. It's Pato Award, right? He's got a 4.5 average oval finish. He's been up front in Indy, almost won it last year, going into one, went to past Marcus Erickson, didn't quite get it done. Chevy didn't quite have that straightaway speed that Honda did. Um, it's a huge statement, right? Because you know you can win championship, you can win races, like that's cool. But you got to win the Indianapolis 500. This is a team that has been knocking on the door. Felix had a hell of a run last year. Felix finished fourth, uh, and Felix is the guy on the front row fighting for his career, if we're being totally honest, yeah. right? We don't know where he's going to be at next year. We don't know what's going to move forward the dominoes. Maybe he ends up at Andretti. We'll see. But if he wins the Indianapolis 500, Zach Brown's going to have a lot of decisions to make. So, um, And then, you know, Pato, as we mentioned, is super fast here, and we'll see what happens. But Felix started in the front row, I and mean, I thought that was mega for him on Sunday. Tony, I was thinking about this on my way in today of, like, what kind of race we are going to see. And if they're correct with the weather Sunday sort of matching Monday's weather from the last practice then, I mean, we could be in for a great day. But what's your feel? Is this a type of race that is going to be a photo finish? Is this a type of race that's going to come down to the last lap? Or is this a type of race where one guy's going to dominate his way through? It's going to be a little bit warmer on Sunday, which means that the cars are going to fall off. And, and all I've heard all week is how the Aero McLaren cars have not been good in the sun. They've not been good. Um, when it comes to a hotter track. 
Um, we saw, obviously, the mistake on Monday that led to Steph Wilson being knocked out of the show, Graham Rahal stepping in. Um, I think we're really going to see a race early on that's going to be dominated by that front row, Alex Polo. We saw today him, Arenas, and Felix were kind of flip-flopping positions, right? There's a, there's a few mileage gamble that you got to play, and that starts really early on in the race. Um, but I think if we get a yellow within the, about lap 175, it could be you're going to see a lot of guys going for it. And we're talking about Tony Cadano's how to be at the end. Alex Pillow is going to be there at the end. Scott Dixon, who I don't think we're talking enough about either. That's what I said earlier. I know that he's, only, he's like the Mario Andretti said to Brady. He has won Indy 500 when everything else he's done in his career has been fabulous. But you think about he only has one Indianapolis 500 yeah. one, and that's what you're defined on in your IndyCar career. He's going to be there. He had a really good car. And then another sleeper is the defending champion, Marcus Erickson. And this guy's the most consistent driver on the series week in and week out. He's really improved his oval campaign, not just at the 500. Texas, St. Louis, Iowa, he's been really good at. I think Erickson's going to be a factor towards the end of the race coming up on Sunday as well. Tony, last question before we get you out of here. Tony Donahue taking some time with us here at Carb Day for the Fan Midday Show. A lot of first-timers get the opportunity only once, obviously, to experience the great spectacle in racing. With how sensory overload is very yeah. easy here over these next couple of days, what's one piece of advice, what's one thing you would, hey, lock into this yeah. as a race fan or as a fan of just being out here as a whole? That's a great question because, you know, when you walk in and you see these massive crowds, you're like, oh, it's like super intimidating, right? Get in your seats early, right? Get to your seats, see the pageantry, make sure you see the flyover, the national anthem. Uh, obviously, back home again in Indiana is always massive, especially if you're from Indiana, like obviously most people are. Um, but yeah, just being in your seats to be able to take that all in, right? You don't want to be in Pagoda Plaza and miss something like that. Uh, the pageantry leading up to gentlemen's, or excuse me, lady and gentlemen start your engines uh, is certainly something you have to check out. Tony Donahue of Burnout Sports making some time for us here on the Fan of Midday Show. Tony, thank you so much for coming out. Appreciate thank your coverage you. as always. Appreciate it. Uh, the Fans Place app is a sports prediction app we started. We got an awesome contest coming up this weekend. Be sure to check it out. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much, Tony. Tony Donahue. Roll with us here on the Fan Midday Show. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tony D. Indy. So to this point, in terms of my process of elimination, it appears that I am indeed uh, the fool that has taken the pole sitter, at least from our conversation so far uh, of the guests that we've had. One said it was fine. The other two were very dismissive in terms of uh, me going chalk here for the 107th running in the Apples 500. What do you think this guy thinks? <laughs> this fellow taking the pole setter? <laughs> Look at that. She holds the fastest Oh, she. She. There you I, go. I apologize. Fastest lap is a dog. She says go. it's okay. Yeah, there you she go. She says it's okay. So anyway, the one for three, though, throughout the process in terms yeah. of my selection. I'm fine. Look, I'm, I'm comfortable in it. It's just there's not a lot of validation that's, that, that's occurring there. Either. Sorry. I, um, I'm, like I said, I'm cool with that. I, this is very different than chalk for the NCAA tournament. Picking Pelot. Picking chalk for the NCAA tournament is my pet peeve. Sure. I hate walking away with my bracket and seeing ones and twos. Like, oh, that's just gross. Now I know what to send a picture of to you around March next year. Okay, we're good. I got that. Well, did you pick chalk this year? No, I did not. Okay. But, but, but I'll make one just for that. In the draft, yeah. I'll make it, it, take a picture. It, it, of that well, it's such an annoying pet peeve. You know, it's like, okay. But no, I think this is different because, again, Pelot is still a plus 400 bet. I mean, you're plus still. Plus 600 in some books. Plus 600 in some books. So I, you're still making money at the end of the day. If, you're, if you bet Gonzaga, to go to the final four, you're not making any money at all. By the way, this crowd is unbelievable. It's awesome, this man. is crazy. It's fantastic. Go to Plaza. Give yourself some love in Indianapolis. Let's go. I mean, this is awesome. No, thank you guys for coming out. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, if, if I'm going, if I'm walking away with two bets, I right now, if I have to place two bets 
and we're talking right now. I'm putting Scott Dixon plus 700, putting money on that right now. And, and you can't get Takumasato at plus 1800 anymore. But if you did when it was available, I commend you because are, that was a terrific. Are there bet. any others close to the chest that you've not revealed yet that you got? Yes, I'm saving them for the end of the of, show. Okay, you're saving those yeah, special yeah, ones yeah. For, for the very end. Yeah. Okay, but but at this point though. Through your process, nothing that we have to this point, even if Doug Kazarian of the Daily Wager a little bit later, even if our own Eddie Garrison jumps on here a little bit later, nothing is going to sway you from where you're at from a betting standpoint. You're done, you're locked in. Does Doug live in Vegas? He does. I believe so because okay. he does the show every day out there uh, right outside their campus. I don't think there. I've ever talked to him, so I, I'll listen. I'll be very respectful <laughs> and listen. As you always are. Yeah, no, if he, if he says something, it definitely could sway me as we go. But, no, I'm very happy with what I've placed. Um, I made everything back and more on the Elio bet in 2021. None of my bets hit last year. I did not have Erickson. The only bet that I hit last year was Ferrucci top 10. But again, that's not worth it anymore because Ferrucci is starting fourth. The days of Santino Ferrucci being a sleeper are over. But I, Jimmy, I'll tell you what, man. I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb. He's got, if he's got the speed, he's got a chance to win this race. The guy is fearless. Um, it would be awesome to see an A.J. Foy car, specifically the number 14, up there towards the back end of the day. That would be exciting. Kyle Kirkwood drove the 14 last year. It's Santino Ferrucci this year. And quite frankly, Jimmy, I think Ferrucci's making a case to be for, to be Foyt's number one as we go. If Ferrucci has a good race on Sunday, there is no reason why, in my mind, why would A.J. Foyt change that 14 car? Yeah. It, unless Ferrucci gets a ride with somebody else. Sure. Because no disrespect to A.J. Foyt racing, but Kyle Kirkwood went to Andretti this year. Yep. But if Ferrucci and Foyt are the perfect marriage in that 14 car, what's the reason that Ferrucci can't drive in that 14 for the next five 500s? And to your point, nobody has said, of those former drivers, has said anything disparaging by any no, means about AJ Fort Racing. But when you talk to them about just the, I don't want to call it a culture shock, but just the shift in that of being a part of Andretti Autosport, I yeah. mean, you, you could sense a, a giddiness in Kyle's voice when we talked to him earlier this week. Well, especially, I mean, I don't know about Kyle's plans, but look, if you have aspirations, you know, this is said with respect, If you and again, I don't know Kirkwood's plans, but if you have aspirations to do something else in the racing world, Andretti's kind of that worldwide brand. Um, you know, Foyt's got the NASCAR, Foyt's got the IndyCar, but, you know, it's Andretti's kind of more that worldwide perspective. And that's said with respect. Sure. You know. That's Brendan King. I'm Jimmy Cook here on the Fan Midday Show. We mentioned it just about 41 minutes ago. Final practice before the 107th running at Indianapolis 500 finished and rolled through. And, Brendan, when you look in generals, we were kind of reviewing a little bit of the speed. The one, I don't I can't use the framing of a dark horse because... If you're not aware of his presence at this point, you haven't been following things. And that is, of course, Takuma Sato, who I believe, as as the final marks were made there about 40 minutes ago, posted the top speed today. This is mainly like Kurt Cavan mentioned. You want safety at the top of mind. You want to make sure that you get out of this clean, focused, and ready to roll. But you'd be hard-pressed not to give a hard look at Takuma Sato to potentially capture his third on Sunday. I'm taking a heavy look at him, Jimmy, because also it tells a great story. Uh, there are six, seven, eight, nine stories in this race that if they end up at victory lane, TK, Elio number five, Ed Carpenter number one, yes. Sato number three, and these are just off, off the top of my head. Uh, and the Sato number three would mean that he wins his first in 2020 when there was nobody here. I mean, my guy, my guy was dumping milk on his face with four people on that top floor of the media center watching him. <laughs> and I felt terrible for him because it was a monumental day for Takuma Sato number two, but... 
it wasn't the same. And if he does that here, getting number three on Sunday, I think that's an amazing story. Here's what I'll say, Jimmy. I have heard nobody say this name all month. I have heard nobody say Colton Herta's name because Colton Herta struggled last year. But Colton Herta had a promising day, seventh fastest. Does that mean he can contend in the race? I don't know. But it was a good day for Andretti. Kirkwood was fifth. Herta was seventh. So it was a day in my mind that Andretti needed because they brought a whole lot of nothing to the table over the last two weeks. I want to go back to the Colts for just a second as we step aside. You mentioned Colts wide receiver room. Your overall thoughts on, on the stance of that room right now as it is. Room well, for improvement I, or I, fine with where it's at? I think the North Carolina kid's a stud. Sure. Right? Uh, down, Josh Downs. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. See, yeah, you guys have to give me a break because I'm in full baseball mode I was, now. I, I, uh, I was going to cover but, you either, either yeah, way. Yeah, I'm in full baseball mode here in the summer. Sure. But I, I, the tape I've seen on him I think is great. You and I have been in agreement since the day we met, Jimmy. I don't think Michael Pittman's a true number one. I think he's a terrific wide receiver. High level number two. High level number two, but I think he's needed there for Anthony Richardson to have success. And then if Alec Pierce can continue to grow. I mean, Jimmy, this is a massive step up from the last number of years when Zach Paschal was the number two wide receiver on this team for Carson Wentz. To me, that was egregious. Uh, I think the room has been addressed. Oh, boy. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, boy. Yeah, let's take a break, Jimmy. (laughs) We are going to step aside. That's a long-winded way of me asking you about the Colts wide receiver I like it because there's news in the world of the NFL a wide receiver now available on the free agent market I like discuss that potential transaction when we come back here on the fan midday show life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider Kesimpta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home if you're ready for something different Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to the Fan Midday Show from Pagoda Plaza here at Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Brennan King. I am Jimmy Cook. Masses of humanity all around us here at Carb Day. Thanks for hanging with us, whether here on site or with us wherever you're listening across our airways. We teased this when we went to break, Brendan, but a wild saga out west is finally over. The Arizona Cardinals decide to cut ways with star wide receiver DeAndre mm. Hopkins. That is a not qualified as a post-June 1st cut, so they're eating about $22 million in dead cap this year to move him off the team and move on, and now he'll have the opportunity to take either the highest bidder in terms of his services or if he wants to go chase a ring he's able to do that as well we teased a little bit the Colts wide receiver room right now I don't know what type of money avenue DeAndre Hopkins would be looking for you would think at this stage of his career he probably wants to win now but if it is about the money the Colts have the cap space to make something happen your level of interest there able to add a veteran wide receiver and a former whether or not he's still there or not is up for debate I would say he is but a former number one wide receiver, a real number one wide receiver in the National Football League. Well, I think him coming here would make him and Pittman like co-number ones. Because if Hopkins has lost a step, that would still... Here's the problem with Pittman. 
The, the problem with Pittman is that he's gotten just hosed his entire time here because they haven't put anything around him. So he gets double covered, and what's he supposed to do? And you look at last year in general and why I'm willing to once again bang the table for Michael Pittman Jr. is taking that next leap and being a true wide receiver one. You didn't have that opportunity when he's handcuffed by Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger. The list goes on in terms of just rough, rough quarterbacks that he's having to work with as a wideout. It is a full synergetic relationship between wide receiver and QB to the point that if one half of the equation is missing, it's tough to be able to reach wide receiver one status. There's an interest for me. I don't know if there's an interest over there at the complex. Oh, I thought you were talking about with Hopkins. But oh, yes, that too. That, that too. Well, that's the well. problem. I don't know if there's an interest with the player. I don't know if there's an interest with the team because, for one, the team has, no, has shown no signs of ever wanting to do that. And two, as you said, I don't know necessarily what is attractive about this spot, be it young quarterback, be it star running back, but the Colts still have to make a decision on that star running back. And then secondly, the Colts also have to see what they have in said young quarterback. And we talked about earlier on the show, I mean, do you go Minshew week one? Do you go Richardson week one? For the first time in my life, I'm in support of starting a rookie quarterback week one. I think this is a completely different spot from what the Chicago Bears, my hometown, did with Justin Fields. If you, Whether you ran Justin Fields out there in his first year as a sure. Bear, they were going to stick, and they still stink. And they gave him a defensive head coach as his head coach. Sure. So that's a problem up in Chicago. I think the Colts have done everything right to surround Richardson so far with talent. But does bringing in Hopkins change that? Yeah, it probably makes Pittman more effective, too. I just don't know if GM over there pulls the string. And we also have to look at DeAndre Hopkins' side of things. And this from Adam Schefter a little bit ago. Uh, he referenced that DeAndre Hopkins had been on a I Am An Athlete podcast, referenced five quarterbacks he'd like to catch passes from at some point. Anthony Richardson not on that list. Bills Josh Allen, Eagles Jalen Hurts, Ravens Lamar Jackson, Chargers Justin Herbert, and Chiefs Patrick Mahomes. What do all those teams have in common? Even though there's definitely separate tiers and gaps there, they can actually compete right now yeah. for a Lombardi trophy. If we were two years further along in this Colts rebuild or retool or whatever DeForest Buckner and company feel most comfortable referring to it as, if they were a step or two further along with that, I could see it making sense from the player's side of things. If I'm Hopkins right now, at this point, I'm looking to go get a ring, and it's not here right now. Well, you tell me, Mr. Chief. Does that propel the Chiefs to another ring? I think it would. But there's Probably no doubt would. in mind it would. I mean, they've been looking for a true room. replacement of Tyreek. If, if they're looking for another high-level wide receiver, number one, to compliment, and you wouldn't be asked to do as much when you have a guy like Travis Kelsey out there. I think that fits great for them. $7 million in cap space, though. Would they be able to make that work? Is that enough to wet the whistle of DeAndre Hopkins? That remains to be seen. He's Brennan King. I am Jimmy Cook. We're going to step aside. When we come back. The fans own Kevin Bowen joins us. We'll get KB's thoughts on Colts' initial OTAs. Who he has winning the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500 and his reaction to Tyrese Halliburton getting the opportunity to drive the pace car on Sunday. Kevin Bowen joins us on the Fan Midday Show when we come back. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Boy, what a crowd on Carb Day. This crowd is showing no signs of shrinking. This is just unbelievable. Pagoda Plaza, it's the fan midday show. Make some noise. We got a crowd, Mike. Brendan King, Jimmy Cook. It's unbelievable. Do I hear Dixie? (laughs) You do hear Dixie. Yeah, you do hear Dixie. She's hanging out just in front of us. I love it. Brendan King, Jimmy Cook, Fan Midday Show, beautiful day at Pagoda Plaza. And joining us right now, is there a hotline sponsor? Uh, okay. I just wanted to make That's sure. Right. I've been gone a couple months. From the want... DriveHuber.com studios uh, inside. This, this technically is our DriveHuber.com studio. This has been the worst intro ever. Kevin Bowen <laughs> is with us here from Carb Day. KB, over the phone, I, I tell you what, from the morning show until the 10 to 12 show, that was about as clean as a handoff as you hope you get from Anthony Richardson to Jonathan Taylor this year. So thank you for that. Great stuff this morning. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it did have a, a honestly. If he gets a pit um, pit stops that are that efficient coming up here on Sunday, I think teams will be pretty happy. So I think it's great. We did a little local action with you and Scott from uh, ten to noon, and boy, now you're entering the stage where you're going to see some things that you're going to tell your kids about one day. <laughs> Kevin Bowen's with us. Kev, just your thoughts on what you experienced from Carb Day. Takuma Sato was the quickest on the track as he looks for number three, and Scott Dixon right behind him. The Ganassi cars just look terrific. Yeah, I mean, the storyline I think all really month long for me has been Ganassi or the field. And I know the Aaron McLaren team has, you know, four guys that are all going to start pretty high up there. But you look at the consistency over the last few weeks, nobody's done it better than Ganassi. And it's been a variety of Dixon, Sato, and Polo certainly up there. Erickson has just been, you know, his typical self as usual. So it, it, it's hard to kind of get away from those four guys. But the beauty of this race, you saw it last year, you know, Marcus Erickson was a great car, but he was probably the third best car on his team. But Scott Dixon made a very uncharacteristic mistake. Alex Blow made one as well. And then, boom, we're kind of free thing for, for Polo. And then all of a sudden, Erickson is there at the end and gets it done. So that's the beautiful thing about this race is we sat here before on Fridays and felt pretty confident about a car or a team. And then all of a sudden you show up on Sunday and one or two things can uh, can go awry. But right now, again, if you look at that Ganassi group, started to bet against them. I did go with Alexander Rossi. I, I did deviate a little bit. Part of it is just I don't want to fall in love with the favorite there. Uh, but I, I'm really looking forward to Sunday. I feel like the weather's going to be great. I feel like from a passing standpoint, we're going to see a whole lot. And even today, you know, watching Carb Day, I think you saw a bit of drama, a bit of back and forth between some guys. And uh, obviously that's only going to be, you know, kind of times 10 coming up on uh, Sunday. 
Kev, this has been a reoccurring aspect of our interviews throughout the day, which is judging me for my selection on Twitter at 107.5, the fan, who's going to win the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Look, I, I went chalk. The reason I went chalk is because I just, I don't know, I, I love Alex Blow as a person, the energy he brings with those interviews, and yeah, it helps as well that he has the, the fastest car in the field as the pole sitter for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. Your evaluation there, did I, did I fall into a, a, a pitfall there that I should not have? Do you get where I'm coming from with that angle to become a replica of what Simon Pagenaud was able to do in 2019 or sweep the entire month of May, including winning the poll. Do you get the hype that I'm buying into there, or have I have I fallen victim to a, dare I say, a rookie mistake in that regard? Yeah, boring as hell by you with that pick. Uh, now, of course, you can laugh in my face in about 48 hours when uh, Alex Flow is the first one to cross the yard of bricks, and then all of a sudden, uh, Jimmy Cook gets the last lap there. I, yeah, I, certainly, there's a reason why he has, you know, I think separated himself a little bit from Pablo Ward and Scott Dixon as a betting favorite. You know, obviously, you look at what he did from a speed standpoint at Qualls. You look at what he's done um, just consistently throughout the different testing days throughout the month. You know, the near miss with, you know, last year, I mean, he was right up there for a huge chunk of the race, like I said, and then, of course, the back and forth to him and Elio in 2021. So, yes, I, I I didn't want to go that route, but, again, that is more of just me as, like, sports fandom thinking. I don't want to go obvious. I want I don't want to go all one seeds in my Final Four, if you will. I want a little bit off, you know, the, the, the obvious. But, again, even to call below obvious would be – a bit unfair. It's what plus six hundred, plus six fifty. I mean, that, that's obviously not a slam dunk when you're talking about five hundred miles and all of that. And you know, I think very early in the race, you're going to see some back and forth. But uh, with, with how he has looked in the past few years at the five hundred and how his team has looked, yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's a pretty kind of obvious choice if there is such a thing when it comes to the Indianapolis five hundred. Kevin Bones with us here from Carb Day. Kev, of all the storylines, I want you to pick a favorite because they're all over the place. TK, I guess his final race. We'll see about that. Elio going for number five. Graham Rahal somehow in the race starting 33rd. Ed Carpenter again going for his first. Takuma Sato going for his third. Is there a storyline that stands out to you most of anything you're just rooting for from a fan perspective? You know, I, I don't know how much this necessarily applies to Sunday's race and how it will unfold, BK, but if you look at that starting grid, I mean, imagine saying, uh, I guess a week ago Friday, imagine sitting there on Fast Friday and saying, yeah, you're going to have two Floyd cars in the top 12, and if you combine Andretti and Penske, you're going to have one car in the top 12, and that's Will Power in 12. Like, to me, when you get into racing brands, specifically at the Motor Speedway over the last decade plus, you know, Andretti, Penske certainly sends even deeper than that. I mean, they are the they are the Duke and the Carolina, if you will. And AJ Foy Racing is not known as the Duke of the Carolina. And here's Santino Ferrucci in the inside of row two. And here's Benjamin Peterson as the top rookie in the middle of row four. So. That is just a fascinating storyline to me that Penske has continued to struggle, particularly in qualifying, and Andretti now has kind of joined that a little bit. I think Kyle Kirkwood might be their best qualifier of, of anyone. I mean, Colton Hurd a little bit further back, and Roman Grosjean, and, and, and some of those other cars. So 
that to me I think is something that really stands out. You know, individually, I mean, certainly I think a storyline you always get to at this point of the month is, you know, what would be the best storyline for IndyCar? And I do think that would be Pato Award. You know, Joseph Newgarden's probably facing a little bit of like 05 Peyton Manning of is he ever going to win the big one? And then Scott Dixon is probably like 2012 Peyton. Like, does he need another one to kind of stamp the approval of, you know, his greatness as a driver? So I think those are a couple of other storylines in there so non kind of ganassi division non tk's final one uh those are a couple that are pretty fresh my mind well then let's go the the john elway angle here if we will as kevin bowen joins us here on the fan midday show i'm talking about a guy that is is beloved by many that we continue to root for year after year that uh, did a great piece with bob kravitz of the athletic in the lead up to the 107th running of the indianapolis 500 and that of course is ed carpenter he in that piece it was it was very not that he's not very open to begin with but it's very human side of ed talking about how he's reached a point in his life where he no longer evaluates his career, his career strictly on does he win the Indianapolis 500 or not? He's, he's, he's a father, he's a husband, he's able to appreciate everything that's in his life to a point that yes, he still wants to win and he's still giving it his all, but it's it's no longer the be all end all for him. That being said, that really opens things up from a mentality standpoint of taking the pressure off a bit. And I would argue maybe not the best for IndyCar, but the best locally for Ed Carpenter to make good and finally get this thing done. Yeah, it's a great point, Jimmy. I mean, obviously, Ed, and then throwing Connor Daly as well, just with that team in general. And we had both of them on this week. And we actually had Ed on earlier today. And, I, you know, I asked him, you know, how many days out of the year do you think about this race? And he said every single day there's some thought to the 500. And for him, it's his 20th. And obviously, I don't think he's retiring tomorrow, but I don't think he's, you know, also driving in 2035 here. So, you know, when does the race kind of fall into order for him. There's been moments at 140, 150, 160 where he's been up there, but not at, you know, 198 or 199 when it when it really, really matters. And Connor Daly over the past couple of years, I, I don't know how quietly it is because, again, he is such a name here locally, but he's been pretty darn impressive. And honestly, you know, if you would have told me again a week ago Friday how many Ed Carpenter racing cars get in the past 12, I would have thought Renus VK plus somebody else. Um, I would have thought Ed or, or Connor would have been up there. So do we get a reverse on Sunday where, you know, Ed and Connor maybe don't qualify as high in Ed's case. He's qualified very high a lot in his career, but now do they have a little bit more of the race setup figured out, which is kind of the elephant in the room when you talk about Ed and Connor. But, you know, w- w- when you think about roars of the 325,000 on Sunday afternoon for when guys take the lead in some order, it's Tony Kanaan, it's Ed Carpenter, it's Connor Daly, and probably Elio Castroneves. And, you know, Ed and Connor, I think it just continues to build and bubble a little bit more. Elio is more of the, let's continue to see greatness. Kanaan, it's, oh my gosh, this dude from Brazil, like, literally loves our town more than anybody. This is awesome. Uh, and, and it's a genuine nature to it. So there's Kanaan. But, you know, Connor's case, especially, and, and Ed. You know, they're kind of one of our own. So, you know, selfishly as a fan sitting in turn one, at some moment post-160, I do want to see Ed or or Connor take the lead just because I I live for that storyline. I live for those cheers. I live for those roars. And I can only imagine how much they think about that on a daily basis. I mean, I think about stupid sporting events that don't even sniff 
the you know 2023 Indy 500 on a very frequent basis. I, I, I can't even imagine the magnitude of what this event means to so many people. How often that would kind of you know fully encompass my thought process. What's your favorite livery? You have a favorite car setup? Dude, that's a great question. I love Ferrucci's look. Obviously, the 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 patriotic feel to it all. Um, I love the McLaren cars. I think all of them really just kind of pop and stand out. Um, certainly, the Scott McLaughlin history there with the Pennzoil machine. Uh, I love Canapino and the Argentinian flag. I think that is awesome. That dude has a huge following. I really enjoyed the Hundred Days to Indy. The little uh, segment that they did on him. I think it was the previous, not the most recent episode, maybe the one before that. I thought that was really good. Um, got the sheet r- r- right in front of me, actually. I should probably look at some other ones here. Um, you know, Grosjean, we are kind of used to that one. I like I like that, that look as well. Um, but, yeah, those McLaren cars really stand out. And New Garden Shell look. Um, I think that is also one that kind of stands out to me. So I feel like those are the main ones that I that I like. You guys, you guys got any that you were a big fan of? I'm a uh, big fan of it's basic, but Ryan Hunter Ray with the blackout with the little green—that's pretty sick. Yeah, for a little root insurance. Yeah, no, it's just sharp. It's kind of like a. Uh, oh, it's not like the Vikings helmet. You know, like the Vikings right. helmet. What kind of paint is that? What, what's that word? You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly. Yeah, it's like it's a shiny paint that. job. I like the shiny. Yeah, I don't like the matte, like, NFL helmets. I don't like the Vikings helmet. That's boring. Jay Cook, you got any favorites paint scheme? You already stole one of mine, but, yeah, I mean, I love the, the color scheme in general on Santino Ferrucci's car. I love the red, white, and blue on there. It's hard not to like the, the orange and blue PNC Bank look for Scott Dixon on the number nine car. Yeah, I mean, I look, I, in general, because of how fast these things are moving, unless you're you're watching back home or, or, or listening in the stands and seeing it visually, it's tough to fully encapsulate it. But, yeah, I mean, when you go through and look at the grid side by side, yeah, there's some, some beautiful cars out there, KB. Yeah, and I'll go back to the Canapino storyline. Again, he's a rookie. I believe he was sixth today in speed. Yeah. He's a rookie, but I believe he's north of 30. So he's not, you know, it's not like this is a 21, 22-year-old in the car for the first time. And we've already seen it this year. Like, his following in Argentina is just insane. And I guess I had just not really understood, but it's, I mean, it's been years since we have had um, – an Argentinian driver in the 500. So when you think about how big that country is, yes, I'm not comparing him to Lionel Messi, but obviously from a patriotic standpoint and how they supported, you know, soccer and it seems like what they have from a falling standpoint with Canapino, uh, that is one that if he continues to race here, I think you'll get kind of more and more of a uh, of a fandom here. I mean, look, I'm not trying to put the pressure on him, but Messi delivered the goods on the biggest stage. I mean, why, why not, right? Why, why not answer that call and continue Argentinian dominance? Come on now. Yeah, slightly different history, I would say, uh, on that end between the rookie Canapino and the whatever 30-ish year old Lionel Messi there. Yeah. Long time coming on that one, for sure. Kev, I want to pivot for a second over to Colts. Obviously, Kevin Bowen with this covers the Colts on 107.5thefan.com. You hear him, you love him. 
in the morning on the weekday, 7 to 10 a.m. on Kevin and Query. But for UKB, when you look at OTAs, and you're the only one I'll ask this question with because you'll give me a straight answer on it, the tea leaves, the consumption of every little nugget between Minshew, Richardson, Minshew, Richardson is going to be nonstop until week one. Splitting reps surprise you at all in terms of first OTA sessions? Yeah, I thought it did a little bit. You know, if the Colts wanted to, I mean, we only watch one OTA a week. So if they really wanted to, you know, you could have a day where we were out there yesterday. You could have Wednesday be the Anthony Richardson day and then Thursday be the Gardner Minshew day. And we wouldn't really know any better. Now, you know, devil's advocate might say, hey, let's, let's, you know, not that Anthony Richardson is all of a sudden like, oh, wow, there are cameras on the practice field. But, you know, maybe it's a little bit of, hey, let's make sure Richardson gets a taste of what practices are like during training camp and the media is out here. Let's make sure that, you know, he is in front of the media because we do want him to kind of feel a little bit more of, you know, just what comes with being an NFL quarterback. So I was a little surprised that they, they, they split it straight 50-50 yesterday when we were out there. Uh, and, and those were the starting reps. Technically, Richardson got, um, I think it was eight 11-on-11 uh, 11 11 reps in general, whereas Minshew only got four. Now, again, half of Richardson's reps were with the second unit. So, um, for May 25th, that, that does surprise me. Now, I thought Shane Second had a pretty good answer after practice and explained it. He's like, we drafted a dude who we think is really talented. Why not kind of test him in these moments? It's late May. It's not – late November, like this is the time to see what he can do, expose him into those settings. It, it, it is relatively controlled, um, all of those things. So this is the time to kind of get him out there and get his feet wet. Uh, but I continue to say kind of what I said pretty much the night Richardson was drafted. I, I think he is the week one starter. Um, there are certainly many more boxes to check there and him confirming that and tons of more practice time for him to do that. But I think if you're splitting reps on May 25th, I, I, I tend to think that arrow is pointing in the direction of you want him under center week one. Kevin Bowens with us. So I'm catching up on everything, obviously, when it comes to Colts here this week. But I, what we were talking about earlier, Kev, Jimmy and I, was this feels like the complete opposite of what a Justin Fields situation was like in Chicago because Fields did not have a Jonathan Taylor. He barely even had a Michael Pittman. He had no offensive line. The Bears stunk. Um, and Justin Fields was getting crushed. Now, they weren't very good last year either. But to me, I'd love to see what Anthony Richard is, Richardson has got with a JT, with a Pittman. And my only concern is with the Colts already having prior history with struggling with a young quarterback because the offensive line couldn't protect him. Is that still worrisome to you as you approach training camp of what Richardson's relationship would be in turn with the offensive line? Yeah, you know, certainly it's been a clear message in the offseason that they felt like it was a coaching issue, not a personnel issue, because it's pretty much going to be the same starting five that it was last season. So that is a clear message from Chris Ballard and company that, you know, they felt like whether it was Chris Strasser, whether it was Frank Reich, you know, whoever, it, it more of a coaching problem than anything up front. That is a bit worrisome because it's a group that's been banged up. And I think, you know, yesterday we didn't see Braden Smith out there with the, with a leg injury. You know, Ryan Kelly, I think, has had some injuries here over the past couple seasons as well. So, you know, when you test depth, you get pretty youthful pretty quick. I mean, yesterday you're starting off at the tackles. Where a second-year guy in Bernard Ryman who wasn't playing offensive tackle in football three years ago, and then a rookie and Blake Freeland at right tackle. So that is a bit concerning to me. 
um, to that point. And I just think overarching there, BK, is do you have enough support for your quarterback? You know, I, I don't think the Colts have gotten enough out of their quarterbacks individually in recent years, but I also don't think they've supported them enough. I think both those things could be true. And when you talk about Richardson and his development, you know, one part is coaching. The other part is supporting him personnel-wise. Um, I, I, I'm a pretty big believer in Shane Steichen as a quarterback coach, but I have some questions about are you supporting him enough personnel-wise? You haven't really done anything substantially from an offensive personnel standpoint. Um, you know, Paris Campbell's gone. Josh Downs is in. Tight end group, you haven't really touched in a substantial way. Again, we talked about offensive line. So you really look at last season in historically bad offense, and you're pretty much saying it was all in the quarterback and all in the coaching. You know, you, you, you walked into last year and you said it was all in Carson Wentz, and look what happened there. So that's where some of my concern lies of, I think it's so critical, and you see Chicago when you bring up Justin Fields, they are committing a lot more attention now to their offensive personnel, knowing this is such a critical season to field. Jacksonville did the same thing with Trevor Lawrence last year, and then boom, they go out and make a move for Calvin Ridley as well to continue to try and support him. That is something that you cannot forget about. Josh Allen had early struggles and then really took off once they got Stephon Diggs. You know, Jalen Hurts was not Jalen Hurts MVP right away. He gets A.J. Brown, and things skyrocket. So continuing to support, continue to add personnel, is just absolutely vital with the Anthony Richardson development. Kev, you, myself, and Brendan are all in the same boat here. Kevin Bowen, Colts beat writer for 107.5thefan.com, host of Kevin's Corner, and, of course, host of Kevin and Query, 7 to 10 a.m. here on The Fan. You, I, and BK are all in the same boat in regards to Anthony Richardson. You start him week one, and you let the chips fall as they may. What would it take between now and week one for you to shift off of that and say, you know what, maybe he needs half a season on the bench, maybe he needs a couple games on the bench, whatever the case may be? Yeah, it's a great question, Jimmy. I don't want to sound too stubborn, but it would have to be pretty drastic stuff that, like, oh, my, he is just either you don't believe in your offensive line or mentally he's just not processing at all. But, again, it would have to be drastic measures because I'm of the belief that, you know, Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen sit down and whatever. They find a dozen, two dozen concepts that they really like, play calls that they really like, and they just hammer that home in game settings because – I just think he flat out needs experience. And I think there's this misnomer that all of a sudden you sit there and practice as the backup quarterback and you get all these beautiful reps. That's not true. You know, if you are the backup quarterback, you're running the scout team. You're not even running your own team's offense. So Anthony Richardson would be running Jacksonville's offense, you know, from a scout team standpoint or you know, Houston in week two. Uh, and it's not like you're doing this in a very high-volume standpoint. You, you, your practice week is really two-and-a-half practices. You know, veterans typically can sit out, you know, a decent amount of that practice time as well. So I just don't see him having this like, oh, my gosh, boy, he's practicing four days a week and he's getting all these valuable reps running the Colts offenses and that. This is not true in the NFL. I just flat-out think he needs to take off the red jersey and get game reps. I, I, I I don't think there's any way to truly develop him without that. And it's funny. I mean, it's a question I asked Gardner Minshew a couple weeks ago because Gardner Minshew started 12 games as a rookie. And Minshew entered the NFL as a three-year starter in in, in college. So, you know, I said to Minshew, how beneficial was that? And Minshew was like, I cannot stress enough 
how much you just need to play. You can script, you can talk, you can X and O on the whiteboard, you can watch film and do all that. There's a reason why the jersey's red in practice and why it's not red in a game. It, it, it's just different for that position. So um, I know it sounds a bit stubborn of me. I know it sounds like I'm painting myself in a bit of a corner. But unless you just have no faith in your O-line or you feel like Richardson mentally just can't handle it, which, again, I don't think that's necessarily a question with them. It's more of just accuracy-wise on the, on the um, underneath stuff. And then, in general, it's experience. Uh, so, to me, I, I would have to see something drastically go wrong around him or with him mentally for all of a sudden you not to throw him out there week one. Because, and I know we're a bit over, and I know I'm rambling a bit. I don't care one bit about this season wins and losses. Okay, is Gardner Minshew going to get you two more wins? whoop de do. Like, to me, that matters zero. Watch Pacers fans react to the season they just had. It was one of the worst win-loss seasons the franchise has had in the last 12 years. You won't find a Pacers fan speaking negatively on what they just witnessed. That's sort of the thought process I have here with the Colts and Richardson's development versus wins and losses. Kev, we appreciate the time. And just before you get out of here, both, well, the trio of you, me, and Eddie all took Alexander Rossi. So that doesn't make me feel very good. So I, if you have to make an amendment to your pick, I won't blame you. Yeah, once I saw that, I, I, I certainly thought long and hard about making an amendment there. I'm going to stick with Alexander Rossi. You boys have a cold one or two. Outstanding work. Uh, continue to have a blast at Carb Day. And I will see you guys on Sunday. Thanks, Kev. Love you, man. Thanks. Kevin Bowen with us here on The Fan. Coming up next, we're going to get back into the Indy 500 betting chatter with yes. your boy, Doug Kazarian, straight from Vegas. Let's see if he's got a winner or two or if he calls Jimmy an idiot for picking Alex below. We'll see after this. Nobody's been that strong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but he is the man, officially. <laughs> I, hey, I, I like the Polo pick. Don't worry. Uh, Brendan King, Jimmy Cook, Carb Day. Last half hour or so on the Midday Show. We'll come back with Doug Kazarian after this on 93.5 and 107.5. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to the Fan Midday Show from Pagoda Plaza Carb Day here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with Brendan King. I am Jimmy Cook. When you hear those catchy guitar riffs, you know it's only one man. It's our next guest. It's Doug Kazarian of ESPN's Daily Wager and ESPN Sports Betting Insider. Always good to catch up with him. Doug, I would argue that for a solo shot in terms of just one event to be a part of, we're living pretty large here at IMS, but we're very envious of you being right in the heart of Sin City on a daily basis. How you doing, good sir? 
Yeah, no, you guys got uh, the best seats in the house for the sports weekend, but usually the best seats in the house are in the sports book in Vegas. So it's a lot of fun out here. I'm on my way to the golf course, Jimmy, so, uh, you know, no reason to be too jealous. You guys got great tickets, but I, I expect to see you this summer at Del Mar as well. Absolutely. We'd love that. Hey, Doug, it's Brendan. I've been to Vegas once in my life. We stayed at the Westgate, went to the sportsbook there, had an unreal time. I can only imagine, what's it like, I mean, if you have, what's it like watching the Indianapolis 500 on a big sportsbook screen? That must be the best way. If you're not here, that's the best way to enjoy the race. You know, everything's bigger uh, in Texas, but really everything's bigger in a Vegas sportsbook. So it's just magnitude, especially if they have the audio on and there's not like an NBA playoff game or something. Obviously, there isn't one this weekend, but in past years, there has been. And it's it's awesome. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's certainly a visual uh, component, right? There's not a lot of, like, racing fans in a sportsbook, but the visual medium, as you guys know, with the sounds and that giant TV and a sports book and the audio certainly lends itself to that experience. Doug, you might not know the answer to this, but from a, from a handle perspective, obviously we know what's King, we know it's Super Bowl weekend, we know it's, it's March Madness, but in terms of the type of traffic that you're gonna find for the greatest spectacle in racing, is that felt in Vegas? Not much at all, not much at all. Now, because of this weekend being relatively slow with the NBA, being dark on Sunday, you might get some guys who throw something who like text a friend or something like that, like, hey, who do I bet on? But no, it, it doesn't drive much handle. The, the sharp money will come in on some matchups, but not even all the sharps bet it. It's, it's definitely, you know, uh, an acquired taste for some odd, odd makers and bettors. As you look at this weekend and you, and you look at the entire slate that's there, we obviously have the Eastern Conference Finals continuing on between the Celtics and the Heat, and then, of course, the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. As you look at this race and trying to handicap it or evaluate it, what are you focusing on? Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be a super knowledgeable racing fan, right? So in my lane, I'm pretty good, and I, I stick to my guns, and I still aggregate information. But when it comes to a race like this or an event like this, I go straight to the source of, like, a really sharp guy that lives this stuff year-round. I, I just think everything for an exam like I did in college uh, for a couple of days and try to learn something. I think it's all about nuances and knowing more than the average person. So I talked to a guy who's really locked in and I've got some really good stuff. So matchups are what I'm going to be focusing on uh, in addition to the outright. But the matchups, I think there's a lot of opportunities. So Graham Rahal is a good bet on guy because his previous car is now in a Chevy and he's a car that's taken fourth place before there especially in matchups to do well and then sometimes they have index betting so like in golf you know a big masters weekend or something they'll have who's the top senior finisher the top uh you know canadian or the top lefty or something like that so you can bet on groupings and one index is chevy so i would actually bet ray hall i think it's like 20 to 1 you can get them to have the top finish amongst chevy cars so that's something that's interesting I do have Scott Dixon in some matchups. I bet him at seven to one as well to win this thing. I'm oh, sorry, eight to one. But he, in matchups, I think there's, you know, he almost won this thing. He got a penalty last year on pit row for speeding. He really should have won, but he was speeding by a half mile per hour. So I'm definitely betting him. I'm betting Kanan in some matchups. I know he's sort of like a throwback, but he's always in the running on ovals. That's where his experience is. Um, so I, I like the idea of betting him because in his prime, 
you know, that's where he was. And you can even get him 25 to 1 to win the thing. I, I haven't bet that yet, but I like the matchups with him. I'm fading uh, Ed Carpenter. He's a guy who's fast, but he has no experience. He's past his prime, and he hasn't adjusted to newer models. So based on my intel, that's what I'm going with. Doug, when you're betting top tens and top fives, I've hit big the last few years on a guy by the name of Santino Ferrucci. He's got four starts, four top ten finishes, but he qualified fourth. I've actually got a ticket on him to win the race at plus 7,500. Got that before quals even, so banking on that one for sure. But when you're betting top tens and top fives, do you try and keep anything in particular in mind? So those are what we call, as you very well know, one-way betting markets, right? So those are never going to have great like value because it's one way you can't bet two ways like a matchup is two way right you can bet on either side but a lot of these indexes is just a driver to be top 10 you can't bet them not to be in the top 10 so it's important to find value it's really hard to find value and if you do it has to be a really unique situation so to your point about ferrucci his 10 lap average is super fast and it will be a cool spectacle he'll be in the aj Foyt paint scheme so he's 15-1 to 1 to win this thing, or maybe higher. I, I can't blame anyone for betting him because there is a path to victory, as we talk about in the fight game, you know, whether it be MMA or boxing. There is a path for him, but I could see a top-10 payout for sure. Doug, I know you mentioned Ed Carpenter already, but in terms of those that you've talked to within the industry, any other bets that you've been advised or as you've done your, your crunching of the numbers to stay away from this weekend? Yeah, just Carpenter's my main guy. I mean, look, you're going to have, I mean, do I think O'Ward could win? Of course, but he's a favorite. And there's other guys I think have a better chance. Um, there's There was a funny prop. Like, we, we have a first-time winner, and I saw, like, minus 175. I thought about getting involved just because you have to fade some of the older names. But no, some of these other guys, like Rossi, I think you have to fade. And one other one. So I, I just didn't want to get involved in that one. But the only guy that, you know, like, for example, I have Dixon against uh, Palau, I think, in a matchup. I'm not sure who that is, but I'm just all in on Dixon. So sometimes you're at the mercy of whoever the book is offering in a matchup. Obviously, it's going to be someone of comparable um, talent and, and potential to win the thing when you're going against Dixon. So, uh, but really, Carpenter's the only guy I was told to sort of fade, but. A lot of these guys are solid. It's just about finding, like, you know, the stars aligning. Doug, we've been talking a lot about Dixon today just because it's a rare occasion where he's not the most talked about guy on his team. Alex Pillow leapfrogged him as the fastest pole winner ever. Dixon did that last year. Pillow, his teammate, did that this year. And then Chip Ganassi adds to Kumasato, a two-time champ. Erickson's the defending champ. So th this is maybe your first time and only time that you're getting Dixon with some plus value. I scooped him at plus 700 uh, before quals. Well, that's an interesting point, and, and so often we want to think things are linear and a progression. So if Dixon didn't win last year, it's like, all right, well, he's progressing. But we don't know that. It could be more pressure this year. Maybe he's going to try too hard and force it and not let the race come to him. So there's an element of you being right on the cusp and not necessarily progressing forward. Again, in a linear world, everything progresses forward, but um, that's not always the case in sports. Things have to go right. So... For all we know, Dixon, you know, came closer last year than he does this year. I just, to your point, to get him at that seven or eight to one, it's something I got to fire on. 
Doug Kazarian with us, host of the Daily Wager on ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug ESPN. I want to shift lanes and switch over to the NBA playoffs. You tweeted about it the other day, how wild and just frenetic at times these lines have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics obviously going into what could have been a deciding game four were eight and a half point favorites. Boston's obviously getting the hype and, and continuing to roll with that. Don't let us get one. Now we got two type of mantra. It's easy to get lost in that from a sports fan standpoint, but from a sports betting standpoint, is there a trend at this point as Boston tries to force this thing into a game seven? Um, trends are a little tricky, right? Like we have a segment, sometimes we do trend or trap, right? Just, and it's, it's something that you very well know, recency bias is a Achilles heel for a lot of betters. And it's the last thing you want to let, you know, victimize you just, you know, just because something just happened doesn't mean it's like more, more or less likely to repeat, right? If you flip a coin heads three straight times, it's still 50-50 on that fourth flip. And, but the difference in that is that's obviously clean math. It's inarguable. But in a, in a series, there's tweaked injuries. There's um, coaching adjustments. And it's just a different animal in the playoffs when a team plays each other, in this case, six straight times as opposed to the regular season. The most you'll have is back-to-back meetings. And so you just have to figure out, like, kind of what's going to be going on. Now, in the last game, there was a cluster injury, right, with Gabe Vincent out on top of Oladipo and Hero, so a lot of the same position, the backcourt. I, I think Jalen Brown, is. if there's a trend, he's gone under his point total in every game so far. And there's a little bit of speculation that Miami has sort of figured him out because of his, his handle, his, his inability to dribble at great length, so they can sort of get in his grill and disrupt his shooting. I believe he's like four for 27 or something like that in the series from downtown. So that's like one trend I'm keeping an eye on, but it's all about situational handicapping, not just on the side in total, but also on the props as well. Doug, last thing for me, uh, this is the only time you overhear this. You're talking to somebody on the air, I guarantee it. I'm a Florida Panthers fan, and I know the Vegas Golden Knights are trying to finish up against the Dallas Stars and clinch their ticket to the Stanley Cup final. But I guess my question is for sportsbooks out in Vegas, the Panthers have beaten the, the Bruins, the Leafs, and the Canes in that order. How much money have books lost on the Panthers this playoff? Well, not much because they're not a super popular team, right? They're not an original six. They're not the best team in the regular season like the Bruins are. Not a lot of bets coming in on these underdogs. Now, the Golden Knights, as you know, will always draw handle in Vegas, but Sportsbooks are pretty good about managing their liability. Very rarely do they get caught with their pants down on a champion. They can lay some stuff off. Even the Lakers had huge liability, and they were able to mitigate some of that risk even against the Denver Nuggets in the conference finals. And they still, you know, obviously there were some Western Conference futures that still had to be paid for years. But the books, uh, books are good about, again, this goes back to the one-way betting market, right? They're not going to hang huge numbers if big bets come in. They'll just lower the odds, so they're only vulnerable to a couple tickets out there. He's Doug Kazarian, host of The Daily Wager on ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug ESPN. Always great catching up with you, Doug. we, we got to link up at some point in time next out route in Vegas. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and thanks for making time for us. 
Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the race weekend. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate you. That's Doug Kazarian. Again, you can follow him on Twitter, at Doug ESPN. We've had our insights and observations from an ESPN sports betting insider. We'll now give it a go with our selections and bets when we come back to close the show. Eddie Garrison will join us. Brennan will give us the full behind-the-curtain look at what he has for the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500, as will I, plus some baseball bets as well. We'll wrap things up here on the Fan Midday Show from Carb Day. Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the final time here on the Van Midday Show with Brendan King. I am Jimmy Cook. Thank you so much, Indy. You've been wonderful throughout today's show. Don't go anywhere after we're done, though. The man, the myth, the legend himself, the ride with JMV rolls on and we come back. But before we pass the baton. Yeah, see, people cheer for John, but uh, they, they're like, BK and Jimmy Cook we, coming up next. Like, oh, we got to build to something, Brendan. We got to build to something, okay? Before, before we're able to get whoops and cheers from the second. There we go. See, you got, you got Thanks, stuff. Guys. All you got to do Thanks. is ask Well, that would have been appreciated at 11.50, not 2.50. Yeah. Before we go anywhere, though, we got baseball going on the day, and we got bets for the 107th running at Indianapolis 500. Let's get rolling, Eddie. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. So we'll start in the world of baseball for tonight's slate. First, give me the San Diego Padres to one of the money line over the New York Yankees. They open a three-game set in the Bronx. Also going to take the Cleveland Guardians on the money line over the St. Louis Cardinals. Only run line bet today laying one and a half on the Houston Astros as they're in Oakland against the Athletics. And to close out the baseball slate, give me the Tampa Bay Rays on the money line over the Los Angeles Dodgers. One and two yesterday makes a seven and four on the week. Let's roll around now to racing. I want to give the stage, they give the microphone wow. to one Eddie Garrison because I've been waiting for these picks all week. Eddie, what do you have for the 107th running of the greatest spectacle in racing? I am so honored. I'm going through with three drivers, as you know, on Twitter at 107.5 The Fan. I'm backing Alexander Rossi as my best pick. I got him at plus 1,000. The other two drivers, I'll be backing Takuma Sato. Uh, this is not a one-off per se. This is a car that is running all season long. Sato just running the ovals. Got I'm at plus 1,300. I'm going a little bit off the grid here. I'm going with Will Power at plus 1,800. You heard Tony Donahue earlier talk about how Will Power has impressed him this week. Will Power was on with uh, the morning show, I believe, late last week, early this week. Uh, and he said he really, really loves his car in traffic. I think uh, Will Power has got what it takes to get it done. And Team Penske has been sneaky good as of late in practice leading up to the 107th running. BK, I pass the baton to you. Uh, these are the bets I placed to win. I got Rossi at plus 1,600. I got Dixon at plus 850. I'm going to sprinkle a little bit on Erickson plus 1,200. You can get that right now. And then I got my Sato plus 1,800. And, of course, I, this is the one I'm banking on, guys. Before qualifying, Santino Ferrucci plus 7,500. I win $550 if I win this thing. Let's go. Uh, a couple others. Give me... I put a sprinkle on Ed Carpenter in the top 10. You can get that at plus 180. Here's my, here's my upset. Benjamin Peterson, top 10, plus 220. You can get that right now. That's a super underrated pick. I like it. Bets I have for this weekend for the 107th running. Obviously, on the picks on Twitter at 107.5 The Fan, I took Alex below that at plus 617 to win 119 if you're looking for that kind of action. The rest have some solid juice to him. Elio Castroneves, 5 to win 205. Takuma Sato. 
Lotto, five to win 65. Emotional bet here for Ed Carpenter, five to win 205. Also took Santino Ferrucci a well at plus 1600. And the last one for me, the children are the future, so why not go with a young gun and make a thousand bucks at it? His name is Stingray Rob for crying out loud. Give me five to win 1,005 on the rookie. I'll take your booze to the bank. Come on, Stingray. Just bet on the whole field, I took the good rookie. I took the good rookie. Don't worry. <laughs> you got to no, find We love Stingray. We love Stingray. You know what? I lived in the state of Idaho for three months, so him and I have something in common. So We'll pass the baton to the legend. The ride with JMV is next. Keep it right here on The Fan.